Is that the intro? Are we, are we, oh, I think so. Sorry, good. I fucked myself up. <laughs> Welcome back to the For Fin's Podcast, everybody. My name is Brian Ashija, and I'm here with... Chris Lucky. It's not like I've been doing this for two and a half years at this point. Yeah. I don't know what happened. I had a brain fart. But welcome back for film sake, you know the bit. We're talking about uh, an American tale today, but before we do it, we're doing what? An American friend, Jesus Christ. The American friend? The American friend. (laughs) I'm just going to go kill myself. (laughs) 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 Listen, that happened because when I Googled the movie, Mm. I typed in an American friend, an Mm. American tale came out, like Mm. the animated Disney movie. Yeah. And so that's just what I think just of now. American when I think Tale of this. Is <laughs> Yeah. The American Friend. Yeah. Which is oddly enough a German movie. Yeah. Um, but before we do any of that, uh, let's see the, the ketchup, condiments, the whole, the whole you know. The, the ketchup, yeah. Um, what has been going on this week? Um, I was messaging you and Jonathan back and forth as I was watching Luke Cage season two. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, last week on this episode, uh, I was talking about how I seen the first co- first episode i believe mm-hmm. and i was like i was liking how they acknowledge that he's bulletproof so why are you still coming at him with these guns you know but the remainder of the show is like it's, it's i kind of like throw yourself in the situation like you're in harlem there's a bulletproof guy you know but he's the only person that's bulletproof right. so it's like your guns are still working you know 99.9 percent of the time, time for yeah. any of the crime you're trying to commit so it's like <laughs> it's hard for me to be like why are they still having guns everywhere in all these episodes because you know it's very effective can they taste them can no, that you know it's not working taser electricity none of that shit is working really? you know unless even some, with even like the ones like a counter prod like, type yeah, thing yeah 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 nah, no nah. i mean yeah. that's that's where they've been trying they try to burn them not working like electricity is not working like collapsing buildings on top of them doesn't work yeah so it's, i feel like if that doesn't work give up yeah i mean well you would think i mean they, they find they find different ways to to kind of weaken him you know throughout the the show but i mean it's this season is so black <laughs> oh my god it is so black what does that mean it's um everything is just like so authentic to like hip-hop culture so it's like when you're watching the episode they'll um they'll have 1990s hip-hop so mm-hmm. it's like things that were never like super mainstream pop but it's just people that were in a certain um a certain click or niche yeah like a like, yeah, niche it's just like hip-hop 1990s that never really broke out. So it's mm-hmm. like around that time, hip-hop 90s, MC Hammer was a hip-hop artist in 1990, but everybody knows about him. You know, right. it's Hammer Time. Oh, oh, everybody knows yeah. that, you know? But it's like, that's <laughs> the stuff that crossed over into pop. But there's a lot of stuff from, from hip-hop from the late 80s and the 90s that just never caught on to pop culture, but right. was so heavily ingrained into hip-hop. You know, like a um, Slick Rick, um, oh, Biz Markie. And people have heard of Bismarck at this point. That makes sense because I have no idea who either of those you, two people you, are. You ever hear the song, Oh, baby, you, you got what I need, no. but you say you ain't just a friend. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, Mario made a remix of it later oh, on okay. or whatever, but yeah. So it's like there's a lot of stuff that was strong in like hip hop culture that never popped out, and that's strong in Luke Cage season. So it's like nice. it's good for that. It's so black, and I like that. Um, some of the stuff that I'm not liking about this season is like when you tear it down to you, you're if, if you when you're watching and you remove the background noise mm-hmm. and then you just you remove any action or anything that's happening it just goes down to like just acting when you have a, a human in front of another human and you, you know just like us going to film school then you see the yeah. over the shoulders and it's just a, the typical thing is just one human in front of another human right yeah talking. that's always what any film will ever come yep. into it's that's, just two people talking yep. sitting in a room and having a shot that's what that's what it's always always yeah. is and when you break it down to that like core element 
it's not that great because none of the actors are that good. Yeah, that's what I know. Because I, I watched one episode mm-hmm. of it uh, while I was taking care of Taylor's cats. And I loved the first episode a lot, oh, yeah. really. Oh, yeah. But there was like, every time that Luke isn't on screen, mm-hmm. it's just like, do I really care about this character? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I think, I feel like the only one that I nominally liked was the the barbershop keeper. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, his father, his dad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then Misty. Mr. Yeah, yeah, she uh, she has the uh, the the bionic um, electronic arm, yeah. whatever arm thing. Yeah, it's an amputee now. Yeah, that was those are the only two characters that I felt in that episode at least no, yeah, that yeah. I felt had any sort of like acting power. Yeah, apart from Mike Coulter. Yeah, you know, that's and, a, and Mike Coulter, I don't like hold in high regards as a very good actor either. You know, I mean, he's right. he's, he's good enough. You know, he's good yeah, enough yeah, for yeah. like television show stuff. But I mean, you know, Idris Elba is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like he's not. He's no Idris Elba. You know, he right. he can't make the transition into movies or be you know hold down a very critically acclaimed television show you know but as far as like this yeah i mean it's good enough that's funny because I, I i don't like i don't like Idris Elba that much he's very good but yeah. he's talented though I, I guess it's just the type of movies he makes that yeah. i'm not a huge fan of like yeah. I, I love him in thor oh um, I, he's in thor he's yeah he's in thor he's in there a little bit yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but i haven't seen like a movie in a long time that led with Idris Elba uh, he's he started like television hardcore. Did you yeah. see the uh, British show Luther? I yeah, I saw parts of. It. I yeah. saw a couple episodes of it. I wasn't hooked by it. But, yeah. Like he's really good. I'm not oh, saying yeah. he's not good. Oh yeah. But I haven't like like saying someone isn't Idris Elba for me. Oh, okay, like, no, it's, okay, so you're saying. Yeah. Wait, really? Is Idris Elba like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Idris Elba is not like at the top of the pinnacle of it. But yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm saying. Uh, he's not even that, right, right? You know, so, but I mean, it's 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 a good show. It's good enough to watch if you're into it. It's good enough to binge. And the new character, the new villain, Bushmaster, is actually a pretty decent uh, actor. Yeah. You know, so the, I mean, the interesting thing. How do how do you feel about this? Because the interesting the interesting thing about Luke Cage as a character mm-hmm. is that in order to make the odds interesting, yeah, you have to bring in someone who's the anti Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. And that happened in the first season with this guy with the suit. Yeah. And now this guy, would, for some reason, can hurt Luke Cage, which I don't know too much about. Yeah, he. Um, they have, like, a Jamaican ancestry, and they use, um, like, powder and earth roots and things that come like from the earth or whatever. Powder. Yeah, 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 black magic type stuff or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. the, the exact thing they're using is a nightshade. Okay. They're using nightshade, which I don't know if I know this term from video games or, like, anime, but I've heard that word before, nightshade. <laughs> <laughs> It's definitely one of the two. Probably yeah. both. <laughs> yeah, but uh, they're using Nightshade to, uh, to like, make him stronger and more powerful. So it's like he's able to, like, fight Luke Cage, but it also, like, makes him, it debilitates his body, too. So right. if he goes up to, like, 100, and then as soon as it wears down, then he's just, like, feeble. You okay, know, so, he's just going to get fucked up. Yeah, yeah. That so makes you, sense. Yeah, you can see where, where he, he's going to ultimately end up at the end. You know, right. no spoiler, but of course, he's just going to go for the gusto by the end and cause the most carnage possible. And then you, I haven't seen the last episode yeah, myself. I'm on episode 12 right. of 13, but yeah, nice. I'm, that's where it's going, though. All right, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. That, that, I, I got to sit down and watch it. I've been really bad with sitting down and watching things the last couple of weeks. There's, there's something I wanted to ask you about because I've seen it in the news and mm-hmm. I don't have much information about it. The, the, uh, the school closing? Oh, no, 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 oh, no, okay. no. Well, we'll definitely we'll get to that, definitely. Yeah. Um, but uh, Scarlett Johansson. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. You know, I huge boner for her for, like, long time. Yes. And I've been hearing negative things. And because how much I love her, I kind of didn't pay attention to it. <laughs> and I was just going to wait and see what you had to say about yeah. this. I know <laughs> I, I know the, like, I know why people are hating on her. Mm. It's because she got cast to play a transgender character. Mm. In a biopic-like movie of said transgender character. Okay. 
And the thing is, it was, uh, I don't remember if it was like, I think it was female to male trans. All right. And she's playing this character, but of course, Scarlett Johansson being a massive celebrity, mm -hmm. you know, cis hetero woman, as far as we know. Yeah. And people are just like, hey, why don't we cast a trans actor yeah. <laughs> in that role yeah. instead of casting Scarlett Johansson, which, fair enough. You know, mm -hmm. like, I, I didn't pay a lot of attention to, like, what people were saying. Yeah. Because at some point it got fucking ridiculous. Um, but I agree in the fact that, like, casting directors, that is a role that should go to an underrepresented actor already. Yeah. And then they gave it to like arguably the biggest white female in the industry. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing, the, what made what I'm thinking about is um, what we talked about with uh, Ghost in the Shell. Mm -hmm. You know, very similar. You know, there was like, why are we not casting? You know, this this uh, Asian person for this? But like, well, this Scarlett Johansson is a white American female and is going to be able to sell, and they're trying to sell it. And right. that's what I'm getting with this too. But. I'm also thinking like, all right, you were already under fire for a situation like this. Why do you <laughs> want to get back in the fire again? There was a, there was a tweet that said, Scarlett Johansson, please just play a, a white female. Yeah. And she goes, and she's like slowly puts on a sombrero. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Jump right back in it, Scarlett. No, I, I, I think that it's like, like apart from, because Scarlett Johansson, they get flack for that from Ghost in the Show. And yeah. she's doing it again with this thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, pick your roles a little bit more carefully. Like, that's on her. Mm. But also, I think that it's one of those, like, things that are industry-wide that people just, like, yeah, she'll sell seeds, mm. but you're already making a movie about an underrepresented, you know, trans man. Mm. I think it's a trans man, I'm pretty sure. Okay. That, um, that lived this life under the very same oppression about, you mm. know, straight, white, people hating yep. on him for homophobic, transphobic reasons. Mm -hmm. And then you put our group, the biggest says hetero white woman mm -hmm. to play that character. Yeah. It's going to leave a bad taste in the LGBT community in general. Of course. So I don't know. I don't agree with it. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know who this person is. Like, I don't know who the biopic is. Me it neither. doesn't impact me personally. Yeah. So I'm not like outraged by it, but I was like, I get it. Oh yeah. Fuck, yeah. You're fucking up. Yep. Uh, whatever casting director that was. Mm. He wanted to work with Scarlet, not the movie to work with Scarlet in. Keep her in the Avengers, keep her in the dramas, keep her in the, you know, in the movies like her. Mm. Don't bring her into the LGBT space because people are gonna be upset about it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and and like and like I said, at a certain point, like I gotta look at Scarlet a little bit too, because if she does come up in playing fucking Dora the Explorer in a biopic, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just I, I'm like, all right, Scarlet, like chill out. She's gonna be the the lead in the remake of Frida. Yes. <laughs> 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 that was a good movie too. It was really good. <laughs> if that Some happens, I swear to God, just the O's in Hollywood, like, <laughs> the letters are just gonna fall. Yeah, because I'm like, the thing is, it's like if she if she goes out for a role, she's gonna get the role. Yeah. She's gonna get it. You want to play Asian? You want to play trans? You want to play Hispanic? Like, good. Scarlett yeah. Johansson, sure, we're gonna give you the role. So yeah. it's like Scarlett, you kind of gotta know we're looking at you now. Yeah, and you know, maybe yeah. chill out. Maybe chill maybe, out a maybe little take bit. Take it easy. At least, at least for Ghost in the Shell, <laughs> you know? they had like like a canonical reason for no, it. No, yeah, there was justification. There was just like, all right, they replaced her with a white, whatever, that's shitty, I yeah. get it, but you explained that. Yep. Can't explain. Yeah, yeah, bullshit. yeah, and I'm still kind of giving you a pass. Like, I'm not coming down on you, Scarlet, but now yeah. I'm looking at you. I'm yeah. definitely looking, and, yeah. It's one of those, it's one of those things. Like, the, the, uh, the LGBT community is tired of having to defend themselves yeah. from cis hetero people, and then they get represented in media, but it's not the representation that they need yeah. and or want. Yeah.
which is why Twitter went fucking crazy about it. Yeah. Talking about Twitter. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah. This just in, it says, Scarlett Johansson has accepted the role to play Harriet Tubman in the uh, Underground Railroad <laughs> biopic coming out in 2020. Holy <laughs> 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 Scarlett Johansson as Harriet Tubman, the Underground Railroad 2020. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get Brad Pitt as uh, Malcolm X over here. Yep, we're going to do it. Let's do it. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a bit, it's a bit socially, how do you say it? Like, like a blindfold? F- yeah. It's like a bit of a social blindfold that yeah. Hollywood has on right now. Yeah. But people are going to call them out. Yeah. yeah it, it's yeah. going to happen. We got the internet now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Talking about Twitter mm-hmm. and Facebook and social media in general. Yeah. I deleted Twitter off of my phone. Oh, shit. And I deleted Facebook off of my phone. Oh, the shit. only thing I have that is a remain, rem, reminder of social media mm-hmm. is Instagram, which I don't use okay. all that often, and then Messenger for Facebook. Okay, because yeah. they're two Messenger. separate apps, and mm-hmm. I like Messenger, and I hate Facebook. Okay. And, I, and like, I, I, I'm just detoxing from yeah. all the social media bullshit because mm-hmm. every time I log into Twitter, someone is angry about something new. Of course. And every oh, yeah. time I log into Twitter... Not only are they angry, but they're like, like, like nastily angry, like, oh, yeah. like fucking screaming into gonna have that about something. Mm-hmm. And I just absorb all of that energy because, like, like Jonathan, I'm a sensitive dude when it comes to like reading all that shit. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it just it was just affected me. Yeah. And I was just like, I need to take a break from this shit. So I deleted Twitter off of my fucking phone. I deleted Facebook, and then I went to poop immediately after I deleted both of those apps. Yeah. Sat down on the toilet. Kid tucked my phone, tried to open up Twitter, and I didn't find it. And then I just looked at my phone for like 10 seconds. And I just went like, what the fuck is this thing for? Mm-hmm. It's nothing. It's a brick now. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't have Twitter or Facebook on my phone. Mm-hmm. This $600 piece of fucking equipment made in an Asian fire trap is no longer worth anything, really. Uh, you know? Like I can Google things yes. and I can Wikipedia things. Yeah. But in that immediate moment, my brain just went like, all right, this is a fucking brick now. Because I was so right. used to the social media thing that we do. Oh, okay. And I've tried like 10 times to get on Twitter just today mm. already. And I go on my phone and I just go like, ah, fuck, this bullshit really is like a type of drug. And I just throw my <laughs> phone on the table. Okay. So I'm off Twitter for a while. Nice. I don't know how long. I'm yeah. off everything for a while. Yeah. Text me if you want to talk to me. And I will text you if I want to talk. <laughs> That's yeah. just the way it is. Yeah. I've been so socially. I, re- I just realized because I've been sad for like two weeks. Mm. Just like overwhelmingly sad. All right. And a lot of it is because I, I don't have an off button, you know? Mm. Like I don't have a social off. So I was on like consistently for like maybe like three or four months. Yeah. And my body was just like, dude, you're going to fucking die if you keep like being the social. Yeah. And I, I didn't realize that social media would take a lot of like that social energy and then like still have me to keep performing socially. Okay. So I'm fucking done with it for a while. Just yeah, that's that's a smart call as far as like uh, saying taking a break in, instead of saying I quit forever. Right. Yeah. Like like all right. I mean, even even if this is forever, it just sounds like forever is just like I don't know. It's a kind of a judgmental thing when someone makes a hard line stance mm-hmm. and then you see them flip flop. You know, like yeah, within absolutely. weeks, it's like no. It's like I'm taking a break. I may be back. I may I may not be. But it's just like this is a personal thing that I've decided to do. You know, and there. I, yeah. Right. It's just they're off my phone for like X amount of time. Yeah. And when X amount of time passes, and I just like, I want to scream at someone on Twitter, I'll do it again. Yeah. But meanwhile, I'm just going to sit in the quiet walls of my home and then go insane within the confines of my room mm. and then figure out some sort of sin bullshit that makes me feel better about life. Okay. <laughs> it's just what's the process that's going to be. 
some kind of angry meditation where I just square, I go insane and I round out back again to be in my normal mentally. Are you, uh, are you, are you reading? Uh, about, about to start. I bought a book recently uh, called Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott. Anne Lamott. And it's, it's about writing and like how to think like a writer and yeah. all these things. And then I've been writing up a story, the one that's in the glass board mm-hmm. right there. And I, I sort of got the opening monologue of the story, and I got, like, the setup of the story, and mm-hmm. it's all outlined. So I've been spending time with myself and my writing. Yeah, that definitely helps. Uh, which is nice. So I'm doing this thing now where, like, I have to spend at least two hours outlining mm-hmm. every day, except for one day out of the week. So I have one day off out of the week from, like, outlining or writing. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully that brings some structure back into that profession and helps me not go as insane, yeah. usually. And then just, important, yeah, and then just start declining invites to go out when I just don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> like, I supposedly have a date today on Twinder and, uh, that I got from Twi- Tinder. Twin? Tinder. Oh, my God. This is a new app I that I don't know about. <laughs> yeah, you just date twins. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it is only twins on there. You just need twins. <laughs> that'd wow. Be, that'd be interesting. It That's going to happen at some point. Huh. Uh, you be the first one to start that. Get an app developer right now. Get what, if you, what if you got twin catfished? If you twin like like you go you you think they're twins and then yeah. you go there they're not they're clearly not twins. Not twins. Yeah, or it's just the same girl in different outfits. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's, no, my sister, she's in the bathroom and comes back out and got catfished on twins. Like what the fuck kind of world is this now? Where then where would we be if we can't trust our twins? Can't even trust the twins anymore. <laughs> yep. That would be such a specific like kink app. Yeah. Hey, you want to date twins? We got you. Yeah. Anything else? Go fuck yourself. But twins got you, fam. I want to see like somebody, like somebody do like a, a sketch of this now. That's completely <laughs> ridiculous. Like have somebody show up. The princess comes up to date Mario, and she's like, "Yeah, my twin brother sees us in the bathroom right now." The twin brother comes out, and it's fucking Wario, and she's like, "You're clearly this clearly isn't Mario. What do you mean? This you're clearly not Mario." <laughs> Yeah, is it? Yeah, I am. Fucking W is fucked up. Like, yeah. it's clearly not you. No, you got. He's got a big pig nose. It's like mustache is yeah, fucked mustache up. Mustache is all here. electrocuted and shit. Like, no, man, it's <laughs> that kind of shit you're trying to pull. Twinder, Twinder. The app is just like you know how the Tinder logo is just like one fire. Like the fire the app yeah. is just two. Two fire. Yeah. Uh, we can get that. We can get that going. That'd be dope. Um, but yeah, so so I have a date on Tinder today that. I agreed in that way that you kind of agree to things because you're defensive to admit that you were uncomfortable when you agreed to it. Huh? You know what I mean? What you mean? Like, like so she matched me on Tinder, and I, and I just went like, all right, sure, and I messaged her. And then, like, within, I said, hey, how are you? Mm. And then she said, hey, good. Do you have plans on Thursday? And I just went like, what? What the fuck? Yeah, I don't, what are you talking about? And it was just like, yeah, I'm going to play Magic with a couple of friends. Um, why, why do you ask? And she was just like, well, I, I just, I just wanted to meet up and I just go like, doesn't that usually happen? Like after a couple, like at least an hour of conversation or two. It doesn't have to be that long, but it doesn't have, it's just odd to me when the first thing that you say to me is hello, let's meet up. Right. So I said, I'm not used to it. And she just, and admittedly to her, she came up with a very good point. It's just like, I just like to get to know people in person better. I was just like, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I get that you're gonna get stabbed one day, and it's gonna happen. So uh, you're not gonna trust, you know. Like, like you have to establish some circle of trust. You know what I'm I, saying? I mean, Just for but, safety. But even like for safety, you can do that at the public places you choose to go to. Like I mean, when yeah, you, yeah, when yeah, you yeah, meet true. somebody for the first time, you don't meet them in the dark alley behind the McDonald's at the dumpster. True. Yeah. 
I'm, it, it, for me, there's a dissonance in going, like, the first thing that you said to somebody is just, like, let's meet up. And I'm just like, we know nothing about each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know who you are. I don't know what you are. I don't have a vague inclination of even what you mm-hmm. are. Uh, it's dangerous for the both of us. Stop it. So I, I, and then I just went, like she said, I just like to meet people in person. I think it's easier. And I just went, like, all right, fair enough. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then she just went, like, so Thursday doesn't work. Let's do Sunday. Mm-hmm. And I just I just got drawn into this thing, into this, like, contract of meeting up today without me really wanting to. It just kind of, like, like, she said a thing that made sense, and then my brain just went, like, all right, I guess you can't really back out now. Why? I should say, I don't know. I don't know why the thing that was. That was just the, the, the thing that happened while I was texting. Mm. And then I realized that we had set up the thing, and I was like, I don't want to go to this <laughs> Like, immediately as I sent that we would go on this. What? I was like, I don't want to go on this. What the fuck is happening? You, you're fucking yourself. What happened here? Yeah, no, I absolutely am. <laughs> there is no way that I'm the good guy in this. Yeah, right. I am not the, I am not looking for validation. Yeah. I'm just objectively telling you what happened. Yeah. So, the date is today. Yeah. So, that means I'm canceling it. So, I'm not going. <laughs> oh. It's like, uh... <laughs> Like, that's, that's so much of a harder life. Like, I'm an yeah. asshole, but you're, like, going to be, like, a two-time, a double asshole? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. There's no way that I come out as a good guy. You know, like, the asshole yeah. is just, like, up front. You know what? No, fuck off. I don't have time for you. Right. But the double asshole is just, like, uh, all right, make them think that you have time for them. And yeah. then it's, oh, no, this, this no. isn't good. No, this isn't good. No, like, I know it's not good. <laughs> but it's the only time that it's happened. And it happened because I was so caught off guard by the upfrontiness mm-hmm. that the guy in my head that makes decisions just went like, I guess you have to say yes now. Uh, and and I was just like, no, we don't have to. And she was like, oh, you're saying yes, too late. You, 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 should, you should say all of this yeah. to her. And uh, inst- yeah. instead of being like, no, just being like, explain this. Oh, yeah, yeah. This, like, I, wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't thinking of just like being like, hey, you know what? Kick rocks. Forget Take that. Take it on the arches. It's fine. <laughs> I was thinking of going to this, like, listen, I agree to this just because yeah. the whole bit. Yeah. But that's what happened. Mm. That is what happened. And 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 it, it was weird. Mm. And I don't know why my brain lets me make decisions that I clearly don't want to make. Mm. But it just goes like, yeah, sure, whatever. And then it does it. And so now I got to have another conversation where I go like, you know what? I actually didn't want to make the decision that I said that I made. So if you could not hate me yeah, for the foreseeable future, that would be fantastic. Like, do you know what kind of life, like if you were a woman, like that, that lifestyle would probably like make you even more crazy because, because men like are legitimately asshole crazy people. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if a guy got like screwed, he was like, a woman was like, Hey, you want to come over to the house to fuck? And then he's like, hell yeah, I want to come over and fuck. Then he gets there and then she's like, you know what? Like I said that, you know, earlier. And like when you were on the way over, I was kind of like not feeling it. And I was like wondering why I said that to you. And uh, if you could just go ahead and take your ass home, (laughs) I'd appreciate that. Because I didn't mean to say that. And it's just like, guys like, what the fuck? You fucking bitch. You're a cunt. You're a whore. Yeah. He's like, guys are like that. But like females are more understanding. Like in their mind, she's going to say that about you in her mind. But in reality, she's going to be like, I really appreciate you, you know, being, you know, upfront and honest. About this and straightforward, thing, yeah. and then she'll see how if you are a good person after that, you know. But if you fuck her over again, then you know, right. Well, he, the thing is that after we said yes, there has been no further communication, okay, on any either of us. So, in my mind, that just goes like, eh, no one really wants to do this, <laughs> you know, like that's what yeah. I'm justifying it as in my mind. There's no communication whatsoever, which in her mind makes sense because she just wants to meet people in person, right. I acknowledge that. But in my mind, I just goes like, well, she hasn't even said hi. 
in the last like she didn't she didn't even confirm yesterday we were still on today she hasn't texted me yet today like see that's okay no no now having to deal with me for the last like two to three years now like look at the other perspective now if i'm like all right brian me and you were gonna go do this at this time this is two weeks ago me and you're gonna go do this at this time and then like are you are you sure that you're gonna be able to do this it's like yeah i said can you confirm you're like yes confirmed yes so then you know you know how many times we've been in this situation and then like i'm waiting for someone to show up would be like a podcast person that we reserved and then i'm like how many times should i remind them because i'm like i'm look at this text message like you see they confirmed yeah. they said yes they already know that we're doing yeah. this and i clearly know yeah yeah, yeah like and, I, I didn't forget it, i'm yeah, talking about it exactly so <laughs> i was like i like i feel like an asshole if, if i hit them up i'm like hey you remember when you said this i just want to make sure that you still remember you said that and i feel like i'm like insulting their intelligence being like right. yeah i know i said it because i said it so that's kind of where she can be coming yeah, from yeah, it's yeah. like they she's she both parties are very clear i, mean, I get it I, I, I get it yeah Listen, it's it's. I'm rationalizing clearly. Yeah. All right. Is she, is she is she cool? I don't know. I don't know anything. Oh, it about was her. just that that one day conversation. Yeah, I don't know a single fucking thing about her, which in my mind translates. What she, what she to, look like though? Uh, she mm. she looks vaguely yeah, like like a Scarlett Johansson. Actually. No, she looks like mm. a skinnier Janet Jackson. Like a skinny Janet Jackson. Yeah, like if Janet Jackson and Michael Jackson were one person, and then that person was skinny. How about how about just like a younger Janet Jackson? Janet Jackson used to have like eight pack abs and very yeah. very fit. So I depending on which Janet Jackson we're talking about, I don't know. It's 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 just like it's like like a young Janet. She she looks good. She's very she she's looks fit. Good. She's fit. Yeah, oh, she looks yeah. good. She's attractive. Mm. All right, it's not mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a matter of like. Oh yeah. I don't. Mm. It's just I neurotically agree to something, mm-hmm. and mm. now I'm going ah, yeah. nah. And 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 you know what and you, and you know what the the fucked up thing is that mm. part of me goes like I shouldn't I shouldn't have to explain myself, but I know but that I should. have to. Yeah, I don't, you know, you really should. <laughs> like like I have to do it, but yes. part of me just gets defensive and goes like, you don't have to, you don't owe anybody a goddamn thing. But you do. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. That's my that's my sort of neurotic plight for today. It's yeah. supposedly what is it? It's at one. It's apparently in four hours. Yeah, I should take care of this. I haven't. Um, so if you ever listen to the podcast, I'm so sorry. I mean, she'll, she'll listen to it like eight months later. No, actually, yeah. she she won't ever listen to it. No, she'll never <laughs> listen to it. Um, <laughs> like this fucking asshole. Like, no, no. <laughs> Have this fucking asshole's voice in my fucking head. Like, no. <laughs> if for some reason. Uh, you stumble on this episode in time. Mm. Sorry, it man. comes out next week. Yeah, it comes out if you stumble across it. <laughs> and then, if yeah. you stumble across this episode in the next three hours. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, whatever decision I make after this recording <laughs> is the decision that you had to live with because it already happened. So I apologize. <laughs> yeah. However, uh-huh. it has no influence on how you feel in making that decision. No, nope, no. Nope. And I'm just, I, I, I wish I cared mm-hmm. more than I do. I, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. You, do you? Yeah. No. Uh, do you though? I feel bad for no. Because, no. because you're making the decision that you yeah. want to make, and it's, it's like you're gonna make the decision. You're, you know, what I'm saying yeah. this is a purposeful decision. You it don't is. wish. Do you wish that you? could make decisions that were like selfless but doesn't make you feel better no i i just wish i'd made the decision when she asked me to make this decision oh <laughs> being the original asshole <laughs> yeah, yes yeah. yes I'm, like I'm i wish i would have made the decision then yes but now i'm making the decision i made the decision last, like it's, it's happening i'm not going mm. i made the decision last night yeah <sighs> yeah you know like just 
if I'd just gone back a couple of days and made the same decision three days earlier, yeah. I would have been all right. I wouldn't be talking about this on a show. Mm. So I don't know. That's my life. I rationalize and I justify it. And I don't know anybody anything, and that's what I'm going to tell myself. <laughs> it doesn't make me feel good, all right? It doesn't make me feel better, no. but it makes it easier to deal with. To someone that I, I don't know a single thing about. So, you know. I feel like if I had more than a two-hour conversation, like if I had like an hour conversation with her, mm. and then we had some basic like idea yeah. of identities, I would just be like, all right, fine, yeah, I should. But I know nothing. I know nothing. I know she's a person. Yeah. I know she is black, mm. and I know she looks vaguely like Michael Jackson. That like is, Michael I mean, like Jackson. Janet Jackson. Oh, Janet Jackson. That is all of the things that I know. Those are in the in the thing. I, I would, I would very much like to have sex with like a Janet Jackson lookalike. Very much. Yeah. You know, maybe if you, you give me her, her Tinder profile, I'll hit up my girlfriend and see if we can have this Jenna Jackson lady come to my house. I mean, that, that you would know be what? amazing. Fucking fair game. <laughs> and then when she's there mm -hmm. and after you guys are having your post coitus conversation, yes. say, hey, by the way, the guy that I do the podcast with, he's a piece of shit. You should listen to this episode. Oh. And, <laughs> yeah. and then just ruin the mood forever and then never see Janet Jackson again. All right. And so that's how that plays out in my head. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So in your head, yeah. like we, I'm having a threesome with this lady yeah. and my girlfriend. Yes. And you are still somehow involved. It's about me, <laughs> right? The story is about me. <laughs> yes, I'm involved. <laughs> she she just got finished being plowed, you know, for like how however like she got she she's getting plowed, she's getting flipped around by my girlfriend in the back room, and there's like, hey, but uh, my friend Brian. Yeah. <laughs> Check out the podcast. Isn't that just an example of the human condition in mm. general? Oh yeah. It's you're having a threesome, but somehow it's still about me at the end. Yeah. Uh <laughs> So, sorry, Janet. Uh, yeah. That's, you know, it's an awkward Sunday for both of us. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Hopefully she, she's off, you know. Maybe, maybe she has forgot about it, you know. Because, I mean, it's like I, I know there was a time in, in my whole in times where before the apps were really coming around like that, like 2010, 2011, if I was going out to a club, if I was going out and meeting people, then I would set up dates for like I would, I would go through the phone and mass text message people for dates for Saturday or Sunday. Right. And then out of those 20 people, I would get like five or six yeses, you know, mm -hmm. four or five days beforehand. Right. You know, so whoever stuck, like followed up with them, be like, okay, that's what I'm doing this time on Saturday. That's what I'm doing this time on Sunday. Yeah. So, I mean, if she's like that hot, like a Jenna Jackson type chick, she might just be throwing out a whole bunch of bait and seeing who bites type chick. Yeah, so, yeah. And, 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 mm -hmm. I think that, and that's, you know, whatever. It helps some other dude bites. I just didn't like, I just don't like, I didn't like the emotional, like, 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 how do you say it? Like the emotional bait and switch that mm -hmm. I had within myself, mm -hmm. where it's just like, yeah, sure, I'll do this. And then immediately after I said that, I just went like, wait, how did that happen? I didn't want to do that. Why did you, I say yes? You might be passing up your opportunity for AIDS. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. like, is that something you feel could, comfortable living with? I, I, you, you may know, be passing up your opportunity for <laughs> HIV. You really could be. I could lose a lot of weight. <laughs> yeah. Lose a lot of weight. It's like there's a lot of stuff that you could possibly gain out of this situation. Yeah. Herpes. Yeah. You know? Chlamydia. Chlamydia, yes. A lot of stuff you can get out of this. Like, don't be selfish here. Um, yeah. <laughs> there, there are things to be gained. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm sure she's. The one thing that I did get out of the situation is that now that I know that there's a really cool coffee shop in the city called Coco and the Director. Okay. That looks amazing. Nice. Uh, that I won't be going to today, yeah. but I will be going to in the near future. Just in case you run in, you don't want to run into her. There. Yeah. Yeah. Is that where the date was supposed to be at? Was there? Yeah, any yeah. Specific... That's where the date was supposed okay, to be. Yeah, at. yeah. So definitely not going there today. Yeah. But uh, it's a cool coffee shop that I know now, though. What you should do, yes, is you should show you should, you should cancel. Yeah. You should show up as your twin, Ryan. <laughs> you know, you have the hat on and disguise. You know, a fake mustache on top of your actual mustache. <laughs> <laughs> and then sit down and just spy on her. <laughs> and if she asks you about the picture where she, like, compares from the phone on Tinder to your face, you vehemently deny that it's you. <laughs> it's obviously not you. It's your twin brother. <laughs> <laughs> Twinder wins again, man. <laughs> Just show up in like a trench coat, a stupid hat, and a fake mustache. Yep. One of those like glasses with the fake noses and everything. Yep. So yeah. No, that, that's not me. That's my twin brother. That's they're clearly not me. Clearly. What, <laughs> what are you talking about? Yes. Do you see Brian wearing fake noses around? Like, no. Obviously, that's me. not Brian. This is me. My face. <laughs> and I would like you to respect that for <laughs> criticizing my nose. Yes. Fuck you. Yep. <laughs> Make her feel like the <laughs> asshole. <laughs> yes. I'm all for it. Yeah. So that was the, the Tinder date that never happened. Yeah. That was that. I'm just insane. I'm an insane person. <laughs> no, and and it's okay. It's okay to be insane. Yeah, it's, no, it's like you're you're a, a regular human person, but it's just yeah. like you're okay with admitting that on air. And it's like I think that's why it's a relatable conversation yeah. to be having <laughs> because nobody out here was just immediate asshole. Or I mean, like you're going through the process that people, good people, go through. <laughs> right. Terrible people don't go through this process. They just continue to fuck people over, over and over and over <laughs> yeah. and over. They really don't, just don't care. And they don't even feel like, bad oh, about it at all. Guy. Yeah, don't know that they did it. Don't feel bad about it, and you know, just that. You know what? So. That's all the, all the validation I need. I mean, it's real, yeah. Right. yeah. So, yeah. Listen, we've fucking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We should cut and yeah. talk about this fucking movie. Oh, we're supposed to be talking about a movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, listen, uh, we'll be right back and we'll talk about an, um, the American friend. Yes. Fuck, I typed an American friend. Gone, bye bye. Yeah, Fucked. books a million. Are they still around? Books a million still around. Okay. There's one in Concord. Yeah, nice. but they, yeah. they're just kind of they don't. They, I don't. I don't know. I don't like books a million a lot. Mm-hmm. The store makes me feel uncomfortable. It's you know, it's like it's like a news bookshop trying to. Be, it's like a new bookshop trying to be a news yeah. bookshop store. Actually, that I don't like it. Yeah. I'd commit. Be yeah. new one or sell these books. I just I just need a lounge place. I don't even really need a place to buy the things anymore. Right. I just want a lounge area. You know, to where I can sit and do things. Has lounge area. No, yeah, they, they definitely yeah, do. So. Yeah. Definitely. But yeah, no, I feel you. You know, I feel you. Lounging is the thing. That is the, the thing. thing to do. Yeah, I do that a lot in these books. Yes, I, I mean that's what I want to do everywhere. Lounge, like I mean, no loud music, but just like something chill. You know, an area to where I can sit down and be comfortable and have you know something to drink. You know, that's yeah. fuck yeah. But all right, the American Friend Criterion Collection of the Block uh, came out in 1977, listed as a drama mystery, and has a two-hour and seven-minute runtime. Uh, the rundown is American expat Tom, played by Dennis Hopper, treats Hamburg, Germany like it's the wild, wild west and make a, makes a living by hawking art forgeries, but decides to take part in a murder plot for extra cash. All Tom has to do to earn his share is find a potential assassin who won't do any talking, and he has a perfect man, Jonathan, 
played by Bruno Ganz, a dying cancer patient desperate to leave his family and inheritance. Jonathan begrudgingly accepts, but he's no gunman, and the scheme quickly goes sour. Uh, it's written and directed by Wim Wenders, uh, stars Dennis Hopper as Tom Ripley, Bruno Ganz as jo Jonathan Zimmerman, mm -hmm. Lisa Cruiser as Marianne Zimmerman. You know, I, I now that you read up all the names, mm -hmm. and this is in Germany, and the main character is Swiss, mm -hmm. why the fuck is his name Jonathan? <coughs> Jonathan's, uh, can that not, they don't have any Swiss Jonathans? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's just, that just not as that. It's just like a weird name for mm -hmm. a, an, a German, a German Swede to have, you know? The uh, last name makes sense. Yeah. I'm okay with Zimmerman. Yeah. Jonathan weirds me out. Jonathan seems, I don't know, that seems wide enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> Fair I enough. I didn't think too much about it. Swedish, German, Jonathan, no. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. movie's interesting. So, like, this movie's part of the, like, the, the I don't, I think it's part of the new German wave movement, mm. which, like, the French new wave mm. was a rebellion against the typical movie of that particular country. Mm. Um, I, and, and, like, and very much, and how, how do I start this conversation? And saying it. it's just like this is one of those movies that I can s clearly see why it's a Criterion movie. Yeah, you know, like it's it's got the vibe of a Criterion. It's got the the sort of the the, the film nineteen seventy s characteristic that tends to come with the Criterion's movies mm -hmm. of that time period. The structure is a little bit atypical of a Criterion type film. Yeah, of a Criterion type yeah. film. Like it clicks all of the boxes mm -hmm. that make it a Criterion type film. Yep. And that automatically puts me on the defensive mm -hmm. because I have such a bad case against that vibe of a Criterion-type film. Mm -hmm. And this movie reminded me a lot of The Vanishing, yeah. in a way, just mm -hmm. in like the way that everything is kind of presented. It reminded me of The Vanishing. The editing style, it was never as weird as The Vanishing. No, no. But the, the editing style was, the editing style I really liked. I really liked the way the movie was edited. Okay. I liked the, 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 the vague... Plot that we got out of the movie, yeah. But the structure isn't there. It's it, it's very anti-structural. Oh film. yes, with with her own purpose. Very, it's on very purpose, purpose. Oh, yeah. Yes. And when Wenders has done that before with his mm. other movies, and yeah. everybody fucking praises him yeah. for it. And this is the movie where he actually got a little bit of flack mm. for that atypical structure of cinema. But it's just like, I like this movie. I think it's a, I think it's, an, it's I think it's a good film. Okay. But oddly enough, it clicks all of the things that I absolutely despise of a Criterion movie. Mm. And and it still managed to pull me in. And I think part of that is like the atmosphere and the, the tone of the film. That's he heavy in yeah. tone and atmosphere. Heavy in tone and atmosphere and lacking in plot all the way together. Yes. It's like the, my biggest <laughs> point was like, this is, they filmed one of the probably the best thrillers of the decade and they tossed out all the parts of a movie that would make it, help it make sense. Yeah. You know, so that was uh, Roger Ebert also yes, said that. Yes, yeah, yes. Was, I, you know, I read him every single right. time we do a movie. So it's just like, I'm looking at this, I'm like, what in the name of hell? You know, but it's just like, it's, it's not a bad movie at all. It's kind of like, it makes me think of, um, you know Jim Gaffigan? Yeah. You, yeah, so it's like Jim Gaffigan, if I was going to review Jim Gaffigan, and you'd be like, damn, why did you give him like a 9 out of a 10? Mm -hmm. You know, this, I didn't find this good or funny at all. And I'm like, okay, well, this is this is why he gets a 9, because I'm going through and I'm subtracting all things that are done wrong and mm -hmm. technically bad, and there's nothing, none of those things are there, so he's getting a 9. And that's what I'm getting with this movie here. It's like as much as of a good time that I didn't have, I still can't 
take but so much from it because there aren't things that are technically wrong about it. Mm-hmm. The only thing that I wasn't getting is the first time through enjoyment level. It was hard to get the enjoyment level my first time through yeah. because, like I said, the plot is all over the place and just not really piecing the puzzle together for you. Mm-hmm. But the, it's it's a good movie. I just it, it is a good movie, but I think we get the information from all the wrong places mm-hmm. in the film, like where we would get them. I think we get them. In, places in a different places, yeah. just be like, why the fuck am I getting that piece of information? Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't realize that the American and the French guy were knew each other. The American and the French guy. The, yeah, the French guy that that went to the shop and told them, "Hey, I want you to shoot a man." Mm. And then Dewart or uh, the d- guy with the dark hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't realize that him and the Texan, the American guy, um, knew each other. Tom? Dennis Hopper, yeah, Tom, Tom, yeah. Okay. Tom Ripley. Yeah. I didn't realize they knew each other. Until like, admittedly, a little too late. Okay. <laughs> in the like, I know they had been talking, mm. but I didn't put it together that the American was helping the French guy mm. plan the murders that Tom that that Jonathan was taking part in. Yeah. For some reason, that didn't click. Uh yeah. For me, same too. Yeah. And and I was just like, oh, why the fuck are they sitting around a pool table? It's just like, is Dennis Hopper like a like a threat to Jonathan? Is 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 the French guy gonna? Killed in it. like I did like mm-hmm. the it, it 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 seemed like a great setup for like a like a you know like a crime tremor tri- crime thriller triangle, mm. which is to say that fucking three times. <laughs> um, where like one dude planned something, the other dude was originally going to go ahead with that plan, mm. but then something happened and he got a liking for the third dude that's going to be the fall guy for the plan. Yeah, and then the second guy would fuck over the first guy and vice versa, which is technically what happened. Yeah. But in a really weird roundabout way. Yeah. So, so which which one? This is not the uh, the train killing. You're talking about the killing um, before beforehand. Not when they threw the guys off the train. The, no, uh, I'm talking about like I'm talking about just like like the like that was what I thought was going to be the setup. For oh, the, the setup. For, okay, gotcha. So I thought after the first murder, it's just like all right. Well, they clearly have a partnership going. There's mm. clearly going to be another crime. Yeah. So in that crime, what's going to happen is that uh, Tom Repley is going to fuck over the French guy and Jonathan. Yep. But then he's going to take a liking to Jonathan. That's what you would think is how the movie is going to go, and, yeah. And then that's kind of like how I thought that was going to happen. Okay. But what ended up happening was that, like, Jonathan fucked over the French guy and He fucked them both over. Well, yeah. And then died? Yeah. That, I, I, I don't, like, that, that, was, that was very peculiar for me. It's like the, the movie just ends with a grand explosion of a vehicle with a man inside of it. And uh, Dennis Hopper walking off just so happy with himself about what he's done and drove these people through the middle of the night, a man and his wife, you know, all the way to the sea so it could ha- cause this grand explosion. And uh, Jonathan just was like, all right, now we're out of here. And zippity-doo-dahs up off, off the beach shore by why he's being chased. And then on the road, is he kind of has this, like, boost of adrenaline to where he's just feeling free. And he's literally driving up the walls, yeah. <laughs> you know, up the walls and back down to the ground over and over. And um, then just immediately, from seemingly out of nowhere, he's like, "Wow, well, it's get, starting to get pretty dark." And then they they pan the camera to his uh, to his wife, and then you can see the light shining in on her from the window. It was like, "Oh shit, it's not getting dark. Like there's something going on with him." And then he just goes limp, and you know, she pulls the emergency brake, stops the car, and he just dies. And right. it's just I don't have any, I can't connect death like that, you know, with cancer. It's just from immediately, just like that. You know, which is I have to have no examples of that in life or movies. You know, for yeah. that kind of death. I think I feel like that's what the movie wants us to think that he just died because of his disease. Because mm. they make a point of bringing up the disease every goddamn chance they get. Yeah. 
but but it didn't land. Mm. It was just like, oh, he's dead now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's up with the wife? Did they ever get paid? What the fuck? There, there, you know, there was a um. Now, what was in the package? There was a yellow package that, that showed yeah. up. The um. So he when they get on the train, he says, "Whatever happens to me, you make sure that my wife gets the the money." He's like, "I yeah. promise you that that'll happen." Yeah. And the very next scene is you know nighttime, and then she's getting a letter. And she starts to open it, and you can see that it has a little bit of weight to it. Yeah. But instead of opening it, she puts it in the drawer, shuts the drawer. So I'm like, is that the payment? You know, where they, yeah. you know, it's like I don't, couldn't tell what that was and about. That's what, that's what I assume it was. I assume it was a payment. But mm. then, if it was a payment, why not show the fucking money? You know, why why would you not want us to know that that was definitely the payment and keep us in some weird sense of like ambiguity when we clearly know that it's the fucking money? Why would you, you do you that? Assume, it's like, I don't know. It's like, I, I just, it li- like you said, it leaves you in ambiguity. Ambiguity yeah. It's like, you don't know if it's the money or not. In my mind, I was like, okay, if that's the money and he gave it to him before the job is even done, it's like, is no, he... I think that was the money for the first job. Oh, I thought that was supposed to be yeah. the money for the second one. No, so that, that was the money, money for the first, first one. Okay, all right. Because um, the dude, they meet again and they go like, this is half of what you promised me. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I told you it was the second case, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I get okay. that. Yeah. Sure. 97,000 marks, whatever. Yeah. Um, But like, just the process of like getting paid and then the wife figuring it out and mm. sort of like the wife was kind of like a non-entity in the movie. Oh, yeah. And then she was always just like, you're lying to me. And then he'd just be like, no, I'm not. Bye. I'm lie to you. <laughs> and then she'd just be like, he's fucking lying to me. And mm. then she would brood about it and then do nothing about it until the very end of the movie. Why yeah. the hell would someone that's clearly non-been confrontational the entire film except for one scene mm. now suddenly go to the lengths of finding the fucking guy yeah. in the house where they where they clearly murdered one or two people. Yeah. What? Definitely have, yeah. Why is that a thing that happens? And then so like from the very beginning, like the first thing we we hear about him, or it's like also what he's a art uh he, forger or is he like the, a framer? Oh, uh, which one? Um so t- Tom Ripley? Like like Jonathan, like he's just a dude he that frames, frames art. Yeah, he's right? he frames and uh re uh, how, how do you restore restores yeah he was yeah. a framer restore it was because of his disease he's not able to restore paintings as well anymore but he's still one of the best framers out there in the world right so because the movie started by talking about like he's one of the best restorers that i know mm-hmm. but he's ill he's yep. very ill yeah and i thought they were talking about the old guy with the eye patch because he was the oh. first one that had the painting at the beginning yeah so then the american friend is also friends with this old guy with the eye patch that, yeah. that forges paintings. Well, no, old, the old guy with the eye patch is like not even forging paintings. He's so so apparently the old guy is supposed to be some guy that is long since dead, right. and they're they they the um, Tom's character has some kind of connection to where he's been able to find these paintings. There's only two or three of them left in the world of this very famous artist that is now dead. So he brings one or two, and it was like, yeah, there's only a few more left of these, and they sell for you know sixty, seventy thousand, whatever their mark of currency right. is, you know. But now they're seeing that it's like, holy shit. You, well, number one, he was saying, don't just try to sell two paintings, try to sell six. And he was like, well, you're trying to sell a little bit too much art for somebody that's supposed to be dead. Right. You know, so I can't just all of a sudden have this. But the second thing was they were noticing that he was using a different shade of blue. Yeah. And it was like, no, if you were long since dead and this is the color palette that you were using, you don't all of a sudden just change. You know, so you got a guy that is that's trying to Does the be- guy fake his death to make the paintings more valuable? Is that what? If or, or it's just a um, he's he's a painter that he probably could have been using a pseudonym in the first place, right. you know. So it's just he's using the name says this person is dead and this is their work, you right. know, just because it's going to appreciate that much greater if you can't get any more of it. Is that more much much more valuable? Right. 
So we got that cleared up. Yeah. Why does that matter? <laughs> what do you mean? What I mean, does that it's, matter? It's, right a, it's a guy from the uh, so it's a guy from the United States that's coming to another country yeah. and just treating it like like it says in the description, like it's a wild wild west to where he mm-hmm. can just do anything he wants. So he's just trying to manipulate situations as if he's smarter than everyone else around him until he's able to see. It was like he's like one guy. He notices the blue. He was like, well, that's not that big of a deal. It's like, well, not right now. It's not. But eventually right. they're gonna catch up onto you. And then it was like, okay, well, this 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 uh, little lick that I'm trying to catch right now, eventually they're gonna catch on for me for that. So now I need extra money. I need to be able to do more, something bigger. And that's when it goes into the hard, hard assassin thing. killing thing. Yeah. True. It, it, it just seemed odd to me to have that character there. The eye patch guy, he mm. shows up again right before the second murder. Mm. And I don't know why he showed up again. I don't know mm. why we needed him. Yeah, because the only thing he's doing is painting. That's yeah. all he's doing. I don't know. Like his relevance in the story for me takes absolutely no importance after. The Jonathan gets recruited yeah. to shoot somebody. Yeah. It's not there. So, like, okay, so we got Jonathan who agrees to shoot somebody because he wants the money for his wife, but this guy has never done anything like this. Yeah. He's never he's never shot or killed anybody. He's just a normal dude that gets tricked by the Frenchman into thinking that he's dying. Yeah. Which first of all kind of an idiot <laughs> kind of yo yeah um because you have a doctor that's telling you you're fine yeah and he goes to the doctor and was like where are you hearing this stuff from like just people saying that because i didn't say it so right. why are you believing this nonsense and then the french guy just goes like well we'll go to my doctor mm-hmm. and we'll tell you what yeah what are you doing go back to your doctor sit down in your fucking house and do your frames yeah none of this matters to mm-hmm. you just go home they, they essentially created like breaking bad 1976 Right. You know, it's like a guy that has cancer has nothing to live for, so he's willing to do anything and everything, you know. But not nearly as compelling as Breaking Bad. Of course not. Oh, no. no. <laughs> it's just like fucking... So Jonathan agrees to shoot this guy. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Get the Transfer the money. It's supposed to be 250 marks. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, he only gets 97,000 of those 250 marks yeah. after the first shooting. Yeah. So after you've gone to a doctor in Paris mm-hmm. that tells you that you're dying yeah. and some dude offers <laughs> you $250,000 or fast Franks marks, or marks, whatever, whatever. The fuck yeah. they are. And then you only get less than half of that. Yeah. At some point, you got to think, you got to clock out of this. Mm. You're no longer involved. Leave, move, do something else besides shooting another guy. Yeah. But I, I get it with the movie. He just kind of, he was doing something that made him feel more alive than the guy that had cancer yeah. that just sits at home doing frames so maybe it was like part of the thrill of like imparting an like a criminal identity from the french guy into this random guy mm. because he knows that there's something that he can get out of it that he wouldn't be able to get any other way whatever that's yeah. a common thing i just don't know if it anything landed you know what, what, do, you, what do you mean I, I just don't know like the movie didn't make me feel anything in particular I was just kind of watching it, and I was just going like, all right, Dennis Hopper is doing a good job at being kind of the crazy American. Jonathan's been doing a good job at being, like, the, the subdued German guy. Mm. But other than that, it's just kind of like the motivations for me were just always so mm. unclear. Yeah, plot points, it's, like, yeah, it's, not, it's, not, it's not there. What, the things that I was taking away from it that I enjoyed was cinematography, and I can't hold anything as high as the cinematography on here nothing else even close mm-hmm. like editing very simple choices stylistically very very simple yeah. sound um design like everything was very just simple and straightforward but cinematography 
It's like this guy, what is his name, Win, Wim Windus? Yeah, like he's he's a master of cinematography and, and direction. I mean, there was a, uh, a scene earlier in the very beginning of the, of the movie when they're at the, uh, the auction house. Mm -hmm. And uh, who was it? Jonathan, he's standing there with one hand in his pocket. And mm -hmm. they try to introduce Tom to him. And then he was like, um, I, oh, I know who you are. And he's his, and Tom has his hand out to shake his hand, yeah. and he doesn't shake his hand. And then the camera zooms in to his hand inside of his pocket. Like, although we could see him standing there hand in pocket, mm -hmm. it just gives us even that much more that he's not even going to give the effort to slightly reach it out. It's kind of like when you're at a table for dinner, and uh, you and your friend just had a meal, and then they bring the check out. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, you already know who's paying the check, but it's like you didn't even go to make the attempt to reach yeah, to yeah, pretend. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> nope, I was, I, there was no thought of me ever going out to shake your hand. Right, yeah. <laughs> You know? It wasn't gonna happen. No, yeah. So it's like I love that choice. You know that that close up of the hand in the pocket, and there that the tension between those two. And towards the end, it's um I think I, I got one of the quotes. Oh, it's like uh, so why, why did you spread this rumor that I am one foot in the grave? And Tom says, you remember that day when uh, we were introduced at the auction? You said I've heard of you. You said that in a very nasty way. And Jonathan was like, that was all. Tom says, isn't that enough? Right. You know, so for Tom in his mind, that interaction right there alone was enough. It was justifiable for him to turn Jonathan's life around in any kind of way that Jonathan would allow to happen. You know, just from that, just from that alone, you know, Jonathan's mind, it was like he's a pretty supposedly sane minded person, although very naive and gullible. Right. You know, he was saying, so just because I said this to you, you're going this far just because of that. And his mind what that's. Is that not enough? In my mind, you could have did a lot less for me to fuck you over, you know, right, in this yeah. in this type of villain's mind, you know. So it's like I I do like it for some of the characters. I don't like it because of the plot, and I do like the cinematography. You know, Dennis Hopper was the most interesting character. Oh yeah, because he was the oh, yeah. one that stood out. Mm -hmm. I would have much rather seen the movie from Dennis Hopper's point of view mm -hmm. than seeing it through Jonathan's point of view. Yeah, because Jonathan just wasn't interesting. No, he wasn't. He didn't bring anything particularly good. His mm -hmm. performance was very yeah. subdued and all right. Yeah. Uh, it's, so it's it's. I don't, I don't mean to say that I wanted the movie to be more dramatic, but mm. I think the fact that it is a movie that is born out of the new German cinema and it's born out of the, the idea that it has to go against the customs that we've inevitably gone back to, mm. uh, it, is, it's, it, it sort of hinders the movie because it tries to be something more complicated than it is. Mm. That's really what it boils down to. Like you're a, it's a simple crime thriller. Yeah. And I can't imagine like if someone like, like, you know, Guy Ritchie or Martin McDonough had gotten a hold of a similar script, mm. their movie would have been much better connected and structured. Yes. Because their movie would be all about the character interactions. Mm -hmm. But this movie, I feel like, is all about the philosophical idea of like a dude dying and then leaving something for his for his like family yeah and it's like you you hit the nail on the head early on it's like the things that we're really getting in heavy in spades are tone and atmosphere yeah i mean we get that so like shoved down your throat and beaten in your face that like you can if you if you want to ride on a movie that just has the tone and the emotion and the feeling of something it's it's um if you guys at all listen to a kid cuddy if you guys know who that is then it's like okay that kid cuddy gives you something that is emotion it is tone it is the feeling of something so it's just you're not really going to get the the plot points or what, where I'm comparing with kid cuddy the lyrics driven so mm -hmm. you can connect everything that's supposed to be happening you just have to experience it so if you want a movie like that is just an experience then this may be your cup of tea just to experience something right. but 
I'm not sure what this experience is, and I'm not, um, and it doesn't move me in a way that I would want to experience it again. Right. Yeah. And and then and so like this this is that's part of my problem because it's 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 a, a it's a product of the new wave, mm-hmm. you know, and very much the reason I don't like French new wave. This strikes a lot of those chords, mm. you know, like we're focused on one character, but that character is we sort of dwell so much into their basic human behavior mm. of every day that it becomes uninteresting at some point. And when something interesting does happen, it's played like sandwiched in between all the uninteresting parts mm. that it doesn't have any lasting impact, you know, because okay. we, they, they don't let us sit with the idea that a man had just committed his first murder. Yeah. There's not a there's not a scene after the first murder apart from the scene where he breaks the frame mm. where he really processes the emotion of being a murderer. Yeah. And like that scene should be powerful, but because it happens so disconnected from the first murder, yeah. I feel feel like is he reacting to the murder now? Is he reacting to the fact that like what is he reacting the circumstance, to? Circumstance, you know? yes, no telling. Uh, so, like, because when and let's go with the Breaking Bad analogy. Mm-hmm. When Walter White killed the first person, mm-hmm. he reacted immediately to yeah. the killing of that first person. Oh, yeah. We got murder, and then we got reaction. emotional reaction. Yeah. And here we got murder, three more scenes of him leaving, getting home, getting the money, talking to his wife, going to work, and then emotional reaction. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like, I don't need to see him doing the normal things. The interesting parts of the movie are the parts that you're leaving out. <laughs> I, I was like, I thought it when this scene, I thought about the Godfather, the first Godfather, where um, Al Pacino's character, they tell him to walk in, walk out of the bathroom, shoot the guys point blank in the head, mm-hmm. drop the gun, walk out of the restaurant, okay. you know, just like that. And then, you know, that's, that's, that's told you, that's advertised. And then you get to the scene and you're just like playing back what was told to him. And then you're trying to check to make sure he's doing those things that was told right. to him, you know? So that's what I'm, I'm thinking here. Cause he was told everything to do and how to do it in the order to do it, mm-hmm. you know? And he fucks that all to hell, yeah, he you know, he, he completely screws the plan. And when he finally does shoot the guy on the, uh, on the escalator mm-hmm. at the top of the escalator, he shoots him in the back, then runs down the escalators going the opposite way of, yeah. of his, momentum goes all the way down the stairs and then runs oh runs away so it's like and then you get to see from the cameras that they see a person running in this camera person running in this camera running mm-hmm. the, i'm like i wonder who committed the murder because they right. just told you as soon as you do it just continue to walk away you're not supposed to cause suspicion if somebody's just walking they don't know that you're connected to this mm-hmm. so clearly they're giving us the evidence you know by showing those uh, camcorder videos of mm-hmm. uh, the televisions that they have evidence of him right you know so it's like the, the, why, why and why do i need to see that you have evidence of him doing it if that's not brought back up in the movie again whatsoever. Never brought back up you know? whatsoever. So, uh, apparently, and actually, as far as we know, mm-hmm. the authorities have no fucking idea who no shot idea. him. No idea. Because they talk about the consequences of that shooting and mm-hmm. they're just like, I don't know who he is. Yeah. Yep. You got him on camera. You showed us the close-up of him being on so, camera. Why lots of shots. Lots yeah. of shots. There was like at least four of them. Yeah, four like close-ups. They followed him from one, yeah. one area to the next area to the next area. <laughs> you know, got a close-up of him. Yeah. And, and so that's that's where I feel the movie lacks severely. It's just mm-hmm. like it sets up things that it never pays off. Yeah. The emotional payoff that it gets you is in the wrong place for me and, and in location to the other one. Mm-hmm. So like keeping the emotion of the film together is hard because mm-hmm. I... By the time that I'm supposed to care about something, I don't actually care yeah, about right. something. The the wife, whatever. She didn't even have to be there. Yeah. yeah. 
the kid, why? Don't didn't need to be there either. Why is added he there? nothing? Because because if you were playing the angle where he's doing this for his family, yeah, sure. But his family is never in any danger. No. There's never any real dire consequences mm-hmm. of him doing the murders. No. So it's all just a very self-contained, like story, like crime thriller triangle, mm. where it tries to paint a bigger picture, mm. but there's no bigger picture to, to be paint. painted. Yeah, that's just about these characters. Yep. So why just put these characters in a room? Mm-hmm. You know, like that's kind of like my just. Dennis Hopper, the French guy, and this guy in a fucking yeah. room yeah. talking about the murder. Hey, that's more interesting than this guy going home, hearing about the murder, going back to Paris, yeah. shooting the guy, coming back, going to work. I don't. What it, <laughs> it made it made a two hour and seven minute movie feel like it was like three hours. It, yeah, it, it made you know it made it feel like it was that much longer, and it didn't have to be because like I said, Dennis Hopper, he. I was. I went back and like started looking at the movies that Dennis Hopper was in. Dennis Hopper is a goddamn like acting legend. Dude. Like I like started seeing all the great movies he's in, and he held this down too. Like I can't take anything away from how great of a performance that he Dude. put on. But like you saying, what's what's the movie that we seen? Um, there was another Criterion movie, and you were like, um, he was in the West Wing, and you were like, he puts on jackets no, better than anybody. Sheen. Martin Sheen. Uh, it was uh the the one with the. That he goes around killing people. Yeah, I can't think of the name of it, but yeah, it's just like even though that is you know may not be highly regarded as far as one of your favorite movies, mm-hmm. but it's just like imagine this movie go from the perspective like it was when Martin Sheen. Imagine this being all the way through with um with Tim through right. Tim's uh, Tom was it Tom through Tom's yeah, character. Tom. You know, it's like that's gonna give that's gonna boost the movie up. You know, one and a half to two points for me just for the uh, continuity of the story being told through the most interesting person's character. Yeah, you know? absolutely. But, and like yeah. and and I think I'd be, I'd be okay if the movie was focusing on Jonathan's emotional journey, mm. but we saw it through the perspective. Like we followed mostly Tom Ripley. Mm. I would have been okay with that because he can be the protagonist, but mm. he doesn't have to be the POV character. Uh, and I would have been okay with them switching back and forth. Mm. Why? Why can I? Can I get? We get a couple of scenes where Tom Ripley's talking to the French guy. Well, we don't really see anything about the way he's feeling, mm. apart from a little bit of guilt when he shows up to save Jonathan from the, like, try to help Jonathan in the second yeah. murder. But I, I, I didn't know if his motivations were genuine or were he just trying to get Jonathan killed the entire time to cover up the murders. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I never know if, if Tom actually wanted to befriend Jonathan or not. As there's, you can tell there was something torn within him. He's talking to, um, to the Frenchman, and the Frenchman asks him, like, what's wrong with you? Tom says, I'm confused. He says, don't try to be the nice guy. Tom says, I want to go home. A Frenchman says, let me love you for your money. And Tom tells him, I'm confused. Frenchman says, close the doors. They'll come in through the windows. A little older, a little more confused. And it's just that you can't fight who you are. You know, you can't fight against what you are. And he's trying to manipulate him into being the ultimate evil person. And the guy's like, I'm confused. You know, bad things, good things, fast life, you know, slow life. was like, I don't know which one it is. And the Frenchman is just trying to manipulate him. Was like, no, you know which one it is. You're the bad guy. You want to get the money. You want the flash. Like that manipulation within it. So I could tell that Tom's character was a bit torn. Mm -hmm. But it's just, like I said, there's just that we didn't get enough information and we didn't live with him enough in the movie for me to feel anything for him, though. Yeah, or feel, and and even though we live with Jonathan through most of the movie, mm-hmm. he didn't have enough of an emotional reaction of anything for me no. to feel like particularly interested. About. I wasn't. So I don't know. It's a rough movie to talk about because I do have sort of this like perception about Criterion movies, and I think this falls really hard on the, all of those perceptions of Criterion movies: mm-hmm. vague plot structure, 
vague symbolism, mm. weird editing choices that are kind of cool, admittedly. Yeah. I think the thing where it's like, want to go to the Metro? And then they cut to them talking on the Metro. Yeah. It was a really great shot. Mm. And they do that once or twice. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, let's go back. It's in my workroom. And then they're in, in the, the workroom room. talking. Yeah. I like those things because they compress time in an interesting mm. way. But then you're compressing time in an interesting way in three shots. Mm. And then the whole movie feels like it needs compression to begin with. Yes, it does. So it, for me, it just, it just speaks of like a directional inconsistency. And and it, it just kind of feel I, I I it's hard to consolidate those editing choices with what the movie wants to be, mm. and 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 that's kind of my biggest problem with the movie. Mm. I feel like it's it's trying to be like a noir sort no, of yeah, story, definitely. yeah. But then it cuts out all of the thing that makes it a noir type story, and then leaves us with the banal and the trivial. And then we expect to connect the dots of a, of a noir narrative yeah. ourselves, mm-hmm. which we can do because we have all the information, yep. but it's presented weirdly. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a jumbled up uh, crossword puzzle. <laughs> it's yeah. just like trying to yeah, connect all the dots. So I, for a movie that wants me to engage with it yeah. super hard, Definitely. it doesn't give me the opportunity to do that. You know, like it... Yeah, it's not it's not giving you anything. You have to take everything from it. And yeah. like I said, if you want to sit with this, then you can definitely find all the pieces that you need to enjoy this as a good film, you know, but it's not it's not a Saturday afternoon film to where you're not you're paying attention to the phone and then look over there like no, you have to invest in this film. Yeah. And I feel like the the moment where he's killing the first guy, mm-hmm. that was a really good moment of tension. Like when he's chasing first the guy, guy through the train. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh the, the uh the, first the, the the elevator, yeah, the, the escalator. The, the escalator mm-hmm. one. That was a really good use of tension. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it's cuts away because of the guy, the paranoia, mm-hmm. the guy that's being followed, the stairs, whatever. Like it, it had that scene is my favorite scene out of the movie mm-hmm. because it felt like there was something palpable there. Yeah. And and that was the moment where really I should be like, this is the man that's either going to shoot this person or not. Yeah. And we don't know what it's going to be until it happens. Mm-hmm. And I liked that for those like ten, maybe like five, ten minutes. Mm-hmm. But anything past that for me was just like so disconnected from any emotional capacity. There was I felt some tension, and I was wanting a payoff from this this scene where uh, they go back to the back room, and uh, what, what is oh um, Jonathan tells Tom he says I don't like people who buy paintings as an investment, mm-hmm. and then Tom kind of like takes a step back from me. He's like, well, you can count me out. And then uh, Tim is like, I mean, uh, Jonathan's like, no, I count you in. Right. You know, it was like, basically, it's just like that kind of tension. It was like, you know, I just generally don't like, you know, assholes and pieces of shit, yada, yada. And then the other guy was like, oh, well, I don't have anything to worry about. I'm not like that. And then he's like, no, I'm, I'm talking about you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you you're know, the so, guy. Yes, yeah, so that's exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about is you. So that kind of tension, I was like, oh, shit. Like, is it about to go down? Like, yeah. are you about to pull this card? Like, what's happening? So, I mean, there were some moments of tension, but... Like I said, any of the payoff didn't care less about the payoff right. when he ultimately dies, when when uh, when Tom is there at the dock of the bay of the beach, and I assume he'll get caught by the police or whatever's mm. going to happen to him. Don't care. You know, the, the right. wife the wife gets out of the car and walks off. And do, well, does she... Cause, and she walks out of the car. She doesn't, like, scream and erratically run through the beach and, like, she's not screaming for help. You know, like, right. what happens there? You know, because she just... She's like, seriously, like, she checks her husband to see if he's alive or not. She opens the door and she walks out of the, the, the shot. 
Right. Yeah. No, I don't know. I, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, don't. What happens with the wife? What happens with the kid? What happens with the husband? What happens? Like, don't, don't, right. don't, don't, don't. Yeah. What yeah. happened to the French guy? Yep. He he got bombed. He's in the. What? Who cares? <laughs> and that's really the like. Who gives a shit? Mm. <laughs> this is the problem at the end of the movie. Yeah. But the the tone and atmosphere and cinematography are very oh, yeah. well done. Mm-hmm. And it, like the movie wants me to feel like it's a good noir story, mm. and it wants me. To feel all of the emotions and that kind of story would make me feel, but I, 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 I'm not sure I feel them. No, nah, I don't. It's just it's one of those things, and it's just like it pains me to t- talk about another Criterion film and then say the same thing that I've been saying about Criterion films for like nearly two years now. You know, where it's it's like that idea of like pretentiousness and just doing something out of the norm because it's out of the norm. Mm. And like that's what I get from a lot of Criterion movies. You right. know? It's just like, oh, we're doing weird symbolism because faffy French philosophy. All right, good, but it doesn't take anything to the story. Or we're 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 rebelling against the German studio, um, so we're not going to do any of the conventional exposition scenes that we would see in the new German in the German studio mm. because we want to be so disassociated from that. It's just like I I get what you're going for. Mm. But because you're going for that rebelliousness for rebelliousness sake, your film is suffering in terms of structure and quality. Not and quality. I, I can't say quality. But I mean, structure definitely. For for me like structure feeds into quality. Like mm. I like I think this would be a much more better, interesting film. More, definitely more interesting. If it had more structure, like, definitely I, I more think its quality would improve. In terms of cinematography, mm. and 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 you know, and like even the dialogue for me felt pretentious and faffy. You know, except for mm. every, pretty much every line that Dennis Hopper delivered sounded really nice. Mm. But like a lot of the time, where like the Frenchman is talking to Dennis Hopper, or like the Frenchman is talking to Jonathan, or Jonathan is talking to the wife, or whatever. It, they all just felt like dialogue because there had to be dialogue. Mm. You know, it didn't feel like they were delivering anything with the lines. Uh, mm. I think that just like, even the line where Jonathan says like, be glad you know nothing about this. Mm. She's like, all right, good. Does that mean anything for her? Does, are you admitting anything? You're not admitting anything. You're no. not saying anything. No. The audience knows what you're into. Yeah. So there's no tension in that line. No. Why is that line there? Why are you telling her this? It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. Either tell her or just fucking don't. No, don't tell her that mm. you, you're better not knowing. Because guess what? She finds out at the end, yeah. and then you almost kill her because you died of cancer. I mean, he, he, want, he wants her to find out. It's just you know. like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just such a clusterfuck in mm. my mind. It's, and it's a clusterfuck in the way that all Criteria movies that look like this mm. are clusterfucks. Mm. You know, like ones that look like this. All right. That's it's just like it's it's a, it, it tries to be something bigger than it is. That's my problem. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't. I, it's, I can talk about this one movie, but it's like I don't like throwing a bunch of movies into the cart and being like all these movies. But well, it's the same problem that I had with Four Hundred Blows. It's the same problem that I had with the Martin Shin movie, and it's the same problem that I had with Three Women. They try to be something bigger than what they are. And maybe it's my philosophy on yeah. film that you know that facilitates this thought, because I all these movies concern themselves with replicating real life. You know, they're very naturalistic, and and that's that's a thing to be expected of the new wave idea. But I don't think film should be reflective of real life. I think it should be emulative of it. Yeah, I mean, you know? that's just that's opinion based. Because like, there's a lot of films that there are the 180 that are very very good. 
you know, but it's just like in your opinion, you know, it's trash, you know, but it's like they are good. Right. Well, the thing is, like, I don't think I don't think they're trash purely because of that. Mm. I just think that it's one of the qualities that make these movies really hard for me to bite into. Yeah. And and it's that idea of like, and, and it's an idea that happens, I think, because they want to reflect real life so hard that they go for the anti cinematic vibe. And that can be and true. And yeah. the anti cinematic vibe ends up being not interesting. Mm. Because there's a reason that we have cinematic vibes. Mm. They're interesting. They're dynamic. Things look interesting and fun. Mm. And I'm not saying that you should have an action set piece every fucking time. Yeah. But there are movies that are cinematic that are very personal. Mm. The Godfather being one of them. Oh, yeah. You know? There are movies that are very cinematic and they focus on the right parts of like the cinematic structure. Mm -hmm. And they're still very deep in thought. Oh, yeah. they, they have a lot to say. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to have to go. I don't want to have to pretend that because a movie is being avant-garde and weird and yeah. has like weird, flashy visuals yeah. and sort of breaking the rules of the 180 and whatever, mm -hmm. that I have to pretend that it's a better movie than it is. No, not better movie than it is, or even that I even have to pretend that you like it. Right, you know, yeah. but it just it still have to like recognize like what it is. So it's like, like I said, like cinematography. I can't. Like, in, in all honesty, I can't say this, like the Jim Gaffigan uh, comparison I was making earlier, I'm never going to go to a Jim Gaffigan uh, comedy show. Never going to go. But he's going to be a multi-millionaire for the rest of his life because he puts out high-quality content that a good part of the, the world enjoys. Yeah. But I'm never going to enjoy it. But if I go and watch him and I go try to start, like, technically taking points off of things, mm -hmm. I can't take those points off. And that's what's going on here in a lot of these Criterion movies. They're doing things in a much different way. But if I'm going through the checklist, of cinematography editing da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. like I can take points off of your dialogue for this I can take points off you know even for my interest in the entertainment value because even entertainment value like the whole point of these movies unless it's a documentary and you're trying to inform then you're, you're trying to entertain yeah. you know so entertainment value I can take things off you know so it's just like my gripe was like even like as a critic you have to like kind of recognize that just but if you don't enjoy it it doesn't make it like a one out of a 10 or a yeah, two yeah, out yeah. of a 10. You know, like that's with the 400 blows thing. I was like, as just because you hate it that much and I understand, but it's just like, I feel like it's disrespect to like, just like if you were in that, in that position to where you're making the movie and everybody around you doesn't see the vision that you see, it would make you feel better at least if like somebody outside was like, okay, whatever those crackheads were doing, I see that whoever this, whoever this director was, whoever this cinematographer was, whoever yeah. this editor was, like they did their job, you know? So it's like, I never wanted to detract from the all the technical aspects when people are doing their job. I mean, well. there's real value in all of that. Yeah. There, there really is. I'm not saying that there's not. Yeah. But like even even the cinematography in this movie, which I thought was you know was good. Yeah. Uh, it, there wasn't any particular particularly interesting bits of cinematography. Not there interesting. Were, there just were a not lot bad. of interesting editing choices. There some. Yeah. There were a lot of like there were some weird having like weird choices when it comes to cutting the 180 rule like they mm. break the 180 rule once or twice no, uh, i mean yeah like not not things that they do that go above but just not fucking up is this well, what see, I'm well that that's my problem i don't want to reward a movie for not fucking you up. don't reward them you just I, don't fuck them over for not fucking up no i think i think that's that's kind of productive i what think that's kind of productive i think they did good enough right but when a movie does good enough it should aim to at least impress you with something every movie should at least try to tell you something every movie mm -hmm. should communicate an idea yeah and if the technicality of the film is not fantastic mm -hmm. then the idea should shine through the vision should shine through mm -hmm. i believe that fine yeah 
Um, but when the idea doesn't shine through mm. and there's nothing particularly interesting about the movie mm. in terms of like visual engagement or writing engagement yeah. or cinematic quality to it, mm. what ends up happening is, is as much as I enjoy the technicality of the movie, yeah. I can in good faith or good reason mm. say that the movie was better than average, you know? Like it was uh, our, it was like if that was the case, if the movie did nothing interesting with cinematography mm-hmm. and it was just like good enough, the only thing I can say about this movie that's a positive then is that it, it, it knows how to handle tone and atmosphere. Of course. Oh, yeah. So, like, I don't know. I just feel like, like, I'm rambling. I'm yeah, because I'm like, we can, we can take some people from the Art Institute yeah. and then hand, give them this script and then have them make it and then we compare the two. And it's just, you're going to see how much worse it is for the lighting to where I'm taking points off for lighting for every single shot and shadows yeah, yeah, that are yeah. being cast and just seeing the boom in different shots. And, you know, just like there's so many things and technical things that it's just like I can't take points off of a lot of the things they do there. In, like, but, I'm, but what you're saying, you have to transfer an idea. You have to entertain me a bit. And I'm yeah. definitely taking off those points from them. It's kind of like when you go into a school, they're like, everybody's starting with a 100, and then I'm deducting points from there. Whatever you end up with is what you got. So you started off with a 100% on my book, and I'm just taking no, points I, off. No, I know the way you criticize movies, because we yeah. talk about this a lot. Yeah. But I, it, 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 just, it just ends up, movies like this end up landing in the fucking, like, the spiteful part of me. Because every time that I watch a movie like this, I have the same fucking feeling mm-hmm. all the time. And I just, like, just communicate an idea Tell me something that you think is interesting. Yeah. Show me your vision as a director. But like when it doesn't land in the in the way that movies like 400 Blows, mm. like The American Friend, like The Vanishing Land, mm. all I'm left with is people trying to be weird for the sake of being weird. Okay. And that is the taste that is always in my mouth. And that is a taste that I can never wash off when I watch one of these movies. Mm. So like I can give them credits for technicality. Yeah. But just I, the resentment that I have because someone tried to be weird just for the sake of being weird and anti-establishment. <laughs> like just the spite, the spitefulness? Not spitefulness. Like it just makes me, it just annoys me on a cinematic level. You know, like like you have a cool story, you have an interesting idea, a mm. really nice concept. But because there was a need to be anti-establishment, mm. just wasn't brought out to like the full potential. And that that's real, that sort of, grinds against me you know because the only thing the thing that i get from these type of movies is just like a filmmaker was being weird and experimental which there's nothing wrong with that Mm. but then people praise the experimental quality of it and then people praise uh sort of the the avant-gardeness and the philosophical vibe of it but they don't you know they can't do wrong because they were that weird. You know uh, that, what I'm saying? That, what is that like? The uh, like the soon as the, the part where it stops for me is a director notices what the what is going on in wherever he is in, in Hollywood and in, in new wave film. Mm-hmm. He's he's noticing what's going on with everyone making the exact same type of film. And then he was like, I want to flip this on his head and try something different. And that's where the conversation kind of stops for me because I don't care about people. Like a bunch of people can say, well, because of this, then now this, I don't understand it. So it's great. And it's great. And I can't mm-hmm. take it. It's a 100 on Rotten Tomatoes because I, I don't care. You're an idiot. The same person that does like it, the people doesn't matter. It's mm-hmm. just looking at the director and what he was trying to do and with his vision like i understand like how people's opinion can spoil a lot of things i'm not this isn't my like this is my opinion on the type of movie that it is on Mm. this film i've already said what i wanted to say about this particular film yeah 
But the fact that this is another film that's in the Criterion Collection yeah. that people are pining over because it's in the Criterion but Collection. But that's what I'm the people, though. Like, yeah. why does that upset you? Like, that people are doing it is just, why not take the, the film for what it is instead because, of, like, people? Well, I just don't like the film. Like, the film is okay. Yeah. I, I just didn't like it. I didn't that's, have that's, a good that's, time. That's cool, yeah. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. But the idea, because these are, it's the idea that these are movies. Like, whoever... And it happens a lot when you're like in an artistic industry. There's like a like, like set of things that's considered like the the mainstream kind of like popcorn content, yeah. which is an art. It's a music. It happens all the time. Oh, yeah. The pop the pop culture stuff. Yeah. And then there's like a little subsection which is like the more obscure stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And then there's the section where it's just like the more obscure stuff that's doing really interesting things mm-hmm. that never quite picked up right. because they didn't have like amazing distribution or they just didn't get another word of mouth or mm-hmm. whatever. And so there is a lot in this obscure area. In the Criterion Collection, these are movies that are somewhat obscure, mm. right? But in, in the non-Criterion obscure content, there is a lot of content that's interesting and more part, more fun and entertaining to watch than the one that's in the obscure Criterion Collection. And because this is the kind of movie that keeps making its way back into Criterion Collection, there's a lot of content out there that does not get its place in that sense of obscurity that film buffs or other people would find. Mm-hmm. So, like, what I end up getting, if I if I end up watching 10 movies that look like The American Friend, mm-hmm. and, and there's, like, 20 other movies over here that are fascinating and do experimental things, yeah. and they have something to say, and they're really shining through, mm-hmm. they'll never be recognized for the things that they want because we keep getting people that think that this pseudo-philosophical faffy symbolism thing mm. is what equals to great cinema you know what i'm saying it's it's just a, it's it's a perception of uh, it's, a, it's a perception of like what people find important in, mm. in in culture and like what people think is intelligent like people, i'm people are shit though man but like, that's the thing but the fucking our job depends on people in general like our job as filmmakers mm. is like critique critiquers and everything depends on people mm. so it annoys me it really severely annoys me when I've seen five movies already in the Criterion Collection that mm-hmm. look like this movie. Yeah. We don't need them anymore. We don't need them. I mean, it's not an anymore thing. I mean, it's just like I've, I haven't seen, like in, since 2010, I haven't seen films that look like this in the Criterion Collection. Like they're not being made every day because the reason these they get made is because they're trying to go against the, the status quo. So yeah. like we're, we're going to get it again. It's going to happen. We're going to get a new wave and it might be five years from now when there's like a Brian Archie type person that makes that type of film right. because we're seeing all these Marvel movies and they want to make something to flip it on his head because of the situation that we're in and then we'll go back to the status yeah. quo and you know but it's like I don't I don't these are these Criterion movies are 1940s 50s 60s yeah. and 70s so I agree that there are films that came out in the 60s 70s and 80s that deserve to go in there and I would enjoy them so much more yeah. than because I have I've been sitting here watching them right beside you you know so right, it's like yeah, yeah. I know there are movies that could be that much more entertaining that deserve to be in the criterion probably more than a lot of the ones that are already in there you know but it's just like i still don't want to like come down on the ones that are there you know but whenever i do see the ones that do deserve to be in there then they get the praise i I have a very anti-label idea i hate labels when it comes like when people decide that something is more culturally important than another thing Mm -hmm. i really don't like that Mm. because it's because then that's opens the conversation to like 
it closes people's minds to the conversation. Mm. So like you and I are able to have an open conversation about what the fuck criterion means, right? Yeah, yeah. But a lot of people is, oh, it's in the criterion collection. It's automatically good. It's like, the conversation immediately gets stifled because it's in the fucking criterion collection. I mean, it's, that's, it's, I don't know. I guess so, I'm just, I noticed like how many idiots there are and just like thinking about music, it's like I'll bring up, this is a very great artist. You should listen to them. Have they been ever nominated for a Grammy? Are they a Grammy award winning artist? Like, no, the Grammys probably will never even sniff them, you know, but they're yeah. amazing and they're a lot better than what you've been listening to. Like, nope, my artist is nominated for a Grammy. Everybody knows who they are. It's good. Yeah, so but, it's like, that's that label type thing. But I but I, I don't think that... I, I, the reason I'm not okay with just saying that people are idiots mm -hmm. is because it, it just it just stifles any kind of conversation that, interesting, that people want to have. Mm -hmm. It just immediately stifles it. So I, I'm not... I will always be anti this type of movie in this type of label and in this type of ideology because they stifle conversation elsewhere I, I, I wish so. I'm like I, I see it like I'm yeah. I, I'm all the way on your train right. it's just I would rather I, I wish I, I would like to have conversation no. but I just I'm a little bit of a pessimist that I don't believe no. that I'm not, I'm not willing to try to have the conversation either you are either you're of the mindset that you're already there mm -hmm. or I'll see you 10 years down the road because I'm continue I'm leaving yeah. you behind it's just it's just yeah. the thing that there's like there's like intelligent people intelligent people that I know that buy into this label bullshit yeah. and they'll never see an interesting movie, for example, like, like they'll never watch like, an interesting movie like Swiss Army Man or mm -hmm. something that looks ridiculous on the outside, but is like really meaningful yeah. on, on like on what the story's trying to say yeah. because they think that that's, oh, it's no, no, you're right. ridiculous. Yeah. I'm just going to watch the boring fucking Criterion movie because but, someone already told me it was good. But a Swiss Army Man, a movie that very well could be in the Criterion yeah. collection because of the way that it's presented and is a lot better and more interesting. Yeah. Well, I won't even say better, but a lot more entertaining than a lot of the things that are in the Criterion yeah. collection. If it did have the label, then some of these same people that won't give it, you would know, jump a, on they, it. Would they would jump, jump on, on it. it. And yeah. they would be like, this is one of the best films that's ever made. Yeah. And then you would be like, well, calm your dicks, you know, because yeah. it is good, but it's not the best film ever made. So we're still in that situation, well, kind of. But, but, you know? but the the, the thing is that, like, maybe it's just, like, some sort of, like, hipsterish and, like, hipsterish idea that's in my head. But the idea of labeling something as more culturally significant mm. purely because some stuffy people in a room decided yeah. so yeah. just really strikes me wrong. I, this, is, this movie is good. Yeah. It should never be recognized as, like, culturally significant enough to be in a Criterion collection because it's just – it lacks a structure – it lacks the interesting dialogue. That, that's all. It lacks that's, a lot of things. That's what they do, though. Like you, you remember saying, you're, you're, you're yeah. even saying, like it fits, like everything the Criterion Collection wants, it fits that. But it's like what you're wanting is a different set of standards for a Criterion Collection. Because yes, and this movie fits. It's, it is. It, it, it fits in like the pattern that Criterion them. has been following. Yeah. But I'm annoyed that it's been that it follows that pattern. Yeah. I I really do hate it because the a recent movie that got into the Criterion that I think breaks that pattern is The Breakfast Club. Oh yes. Absolutely love The Breakfast mm -hmm. Club. Looks nothing like any of these types of yeah. movies, and I feel like those are the movies that we should be recognizing as Criterions. The yeah. one that are culturally significant. Mm -hmm. Breakfast Club was culturally significant. Oh, yeah. How many people do we know that grew up with the fucking Breakfast Club and like impacted their way of thinking in one way or another? Yeah. Or how or is it Linklater, the filmmaker for Breakfast Club? John, John Hughes. No, that's John how many, that, how yeah. many generations of artists did John Hughes inspire mm -hmm. by making the Breakfast Club? Yeah, a lot of it. Just yeah. that one fucking movie. Mm -hmm. And then how many generations of filmmakers 
got inspired by a movie that, like, by this movie or a movie like The Vanishing. I mean, you know, like, this, I mean, I, that's why I like the the National Film Congress and the Criterion Collection yeah. because it, does Top Gun deserve to go in the Criterion Collection? But how many filmmakers and how many kids were inspired by this? The same thing yeah. with like Sister Act. Does Sister Act deserve to go in the Criterion Collection? You know, but it's like that's the a movie. What? Sister Act is a movie where Whoopi Goldberg plays a nun oh, and yeah, she yeah, sings. Yeah. Have you, you ever heard of this movie before? No. Seriously. No, I don't think so. Well, anyway, anyway. I've heard a lot of Whoopi Goldberg. But yeah, but yeah, it's Whoopi Goldberg. She's a nun, but it's like mm-hmm. a lot of people grew up with it, and it was a huge like American cultural impact, but it doesn't deserve to be in the Criterion Collection, but right. it does deserve to be saved in the National Film Congress, you know, yeah. as a movie that affected society. You know, so it's like I'm I'm on your boat to where it's just like I don't like having prestigious titles over something because mm-hmm. I do believe that the sheep see the title and they just glow, go to that. Like, well, I'll watch everything from over here, and I'm not going to think for myself, you right. know, and try to find anything else, but it's just... At the end of the day, I think that's that's my biggest problem. Because mm-hmm. you know? because if Top Gun was in the Criterion Collection, I wouldn't be like right, I, I wouldn't be like that movie doesn't like I wouldn't question it. I just mm-hmm. be like that makes it's culturally important yeah. for a huge amount of people. Yeah, fine. Yeah, but I just can't. I just I I don't I can't personally believe that seven movies that look just like this movie had any of the same cultural impact as a movie like The Breakfast Club or something that Akira Kurosawa did. You know? I mean, that's just... That it may, that's opinion. Sure. That yeah, is opinion. Yeah. But I, I cannot believe that these movies have the same cultural impact as... They have their place in, cine, in, like in cinematic history. Mm-hmm. They are part of the New German Wave, which is an effort in disrupting the structure of like the, the film studio mm-hmm. business in Germany. That is important in its own right. But that is a historically relevant you know, uh, qualifier. That mm. is not a culturally relevant accolade. I mean, you know? I, like some of the so. stuff, like like when you get to like John Hughes and why I think we'll see different from the Criterion Collection in the future, mm-hmm. because like from 19 mid 80s all the way till now, like when you're making a film that's even supposed to be slightly avant-garde mm-hmm. or just going against the grain, it's still very entertaining. And that's something that we got to see for film school, mm-hmm. like what these 1980s films did, you know, is just even the, the things that did get in the Criterion Collection, mm-hmm. we're making blockbusters, but we're teaming up the writer and the director as the same person a lot of the times mm-hmm. and giving them the freedom to flesh out their full ideas so it's like i think in the future it is going to change to where we're going to see a lot different movies Mm -hmm. you know that fit what we feel like are entertaining and very high quality good movies and a lot of these the vanishing and those other movies will start to fall off uh, and 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 and, and, uh, i I don't mean to sound like the guy that's saying that they're not important to cinema they are relevant and important to cinema yeah i just i just i hate the idea of them being labeled as something more than they are because of that pseudo source of importance and symbolism and ideas bigger than you, you know what I'm saying. I mean, it's like, just like I, I wasn't allowed for the culture. It's like the, the 400 Blows movie is like it was culturally relevant because it just kept showing up in my life. A movie that I had never heard of Francois mm-hmm. Truffaut. And then all of a sudden I'm listening to a rapper who I'm just finding out for the first time, a guy named Childish Gambino. Mm-hmm. But this is five years ago. And then it was like uh, he had a lyric. And then it was like, now that's 400 Blows like a Truffaut nigga. Yeah, now that's mm-hmm. the line of the century. I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? Then I go research. I'm like, Francois Truffaut, 400 Blows. I'm like, damn. So I think about the cultural impact of this 
movie has made over the generations mm -hmm. then go connects to someone that's very talented that I was able to identify with. So I'm like, okay, what is this? Then I go into the library at the school and Dan Kava has this Kava collection, 400 mm -hmm. blows. I'm like, whoa, how does this movie here again? Like, what the fuck? You right. know, so it was just like uh, the cultural impact where it's just like, it just continues to stay around and it's impacting more people and more people and more people. Right. And it's just, I wasn't around when the movie was made. So it was like, I can't speak to the cultural like yeah. impact that it immediately had. But like something for like Top Gun, like, yeah, I was there for it. Like yeah. it was huge, yeah. <laughs> you know? So it was just, I don't know. They're not super enjoyable. I do agree that it does have to change and I think it is going to change. Yeah. But that's what, yeah, it's yeah. what it is. Uh, 400 Blows, as much as I hate that movie, I get why that's in the criteria. I get it. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, there. It. Yeah, it's not enjoyable, but, but I, <laughs> it's definitely I not enjoyable. I still fucking hate it, but I get yeah, it. Yeah. But like The Vanishing and the other, it's just like, mm. the other the other movies that I ranted about, mm? that's my problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one, one out of ten. What are you, what are you yeah. giving me? I, it's a hard rating for me, because I didn't enjoy myself. Me neither. And the things that I liked were just so expected to be liked that I'm having any problem giving it anything above an average. Av so, average is what, seven? No. Average. Like like if you, like an average, like if you were like a one out of 10, a seven would be a C. A five, no, that's a, that's a above average. Like you're saying, you're saying like a mean, like a, like five, like middle. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't want to give it anything more than like maybe a six. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm going 7.3. Yeah. And that's, that's hard for me too because like even knowing that there's, I don't think there's any ratings as far as like Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb, like any like credible sources that give it like anywhere under a 8.8 .8 or 8.5 mm, or something like that. Yeah. You know, so it's like, like I understand like how highly regarded this movie is, but I can't even go any further than like 7.5 at the maximum. Yeah. So it's like anything higher than that, like Robert, Roger Ebert, I, I need to dig your ass up and then you explain to me why this is better than a 7.5. Uh, Cisco, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, people, anybody they're credible, IMDb people, if any, like you would have to sit me down and watch this movie with me again to explain why it gets anything more than a 7.5. But yeah. that's that's where I'm at with it's it. It's a thing. It's it's a thing. Like I get why the movie is regarded, but I don't agree with why it's regarded that high. Mm. I guess that that's I guess that's my ending statement about the movie. I understand why people regard it as high as they do. I don't agree with any of it. It's my idea. You know, I don't. I don't. I think any review that says this movie makes no sense, but it immediately makes me want to be like, I'm not trusting you. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like Drive, like yeah. I, I like stuff like that. But it just it just depends on the movie. Case yeah, by yeah. Case. yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, we'll cut and then. TV and movie premieres. Uh, TV and movie premieres. That shit. Ah, Because <laughs> it, it just grinds my gear so much. Like, like you have to understand that whenever we pick a Cartier movie and ends up being this type of movie, mm -hmm. you have to understand the amount of seething that I do while I'm watching in this film. And I and then I go and I read about the film mm -hmm. and then I read shit like why did you do that before you pick these shit movies? Yeah. I just I don't like reading about the movie. I like watching a movie and having an experience with a movie. And then if that experience is shit, I'll be angry at that yeah, experience. Like what? You're that's setting fine. yourself up. <laughs> that, I, I like not knowing about a movie before I watch it because I think that's like that's the interesting part of the criticizing job. Okay. You know, like not knowing about it. Um, so I just I just pick a random one, and then by any chance it ends up being this thing. Fine, I'm okay. I'm okay with getting a bad experience. Yeah, 
I'm just also going to rant about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, sure, whatever. But like the the amount of seething that I do when I, I stumble on this kind of movie yeah. and then I read all the high praise that the movie has mm. and then I go back and I watch the movie and I just go like none of that aligns for me. And it it just it just becomes like like it just a, it just becomes miserable. Have you ever tried to like take the people out of situations? It's like you see what the movie is, but like I hear a lot about like people think this or mm-hmm. people say that, but like take can you take that like kind of like with the Twitter and social media like disconnecting yourself from that? I mean, I do the first the, like the first time of me watching a movie, it's my entirely my opinion. Yeah, like I just I don't care what anybody says about it. That's my thing. But what, what people say does that affect your opinion? That that doesn't affect the opinion of the quality of the movie. Yeah, that I that just affects my perception of the conversation around the movie. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like I, whether people liked or hated this movie, I don't think I would have given it a different review. Yeah, I, exactly. I think it's just like it ma- it's just average movie. Okay. But what ends up happening is because people end up praising it really highly. Mm. There ends up being a disconnect as to like what does culture think isn't as good important in a movie. Mm. And then that's the conversation that ends up annoying me because I see a lot of the same things being written about the same types of movies. Yeah. So it just becomes like a just like a hodgepodge of like people not thinking for themselves about a product. Yeah. And 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 that's honestly what gets me. And that's why I hate labeling like the culture of labeling things as this or this mm-hmm. or this or this. And it's like if you like like if the movie's good, a movie is good. Yep. If a movie is bad, a movie is bad. Mm-hmm. Those things exist. Yeah. But what people's perception of like good and bad is, that is variable. Mm-hmm. But when someone else tries to shift that perception by labeling something as like, this is criterion, so it's immediately better than all the other things, yeah. this is that, that's where I have the problem. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's an anti, maybe in itself is an anti establishment, anti labeling sort of hipsterish idea bullshit that I have. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like, if we watch a movie that's commercially not great, yeah, and then you, you, we kind of understand why the movie commercially isn't great, yeah. But then we watch the movie, and then we just go like, you know what? I think the movie did this really interesting, and it had these kinds of things really interesting, yep. and maybe the rest of the execution wasn't amazing, but this pillar of thing in the movie, uh, I think, is important that we look at as a culture. Mm-hmm. And 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 then I, th- I feel like that's good critiquing. And then ideally, if you watch a ba- like a good movie that's commercially successful, then you're like, well, listen, the movie didn't do any of this nearly as well, but it has this one pillar of thing that we should look at. And I feel like that's good critiquing. And I feel like we lose that when we add things like Criterion Collection and commercially, you know, successful or commercially bad. Like, how many people have you had a conversation with that they talk about a movie and then you go like Hereditary? We had this. We watch Hereditary, really good movie, really well done, amazingly executed. Mm-hmm. And then immediately the next day after, they just like, oh, yeah, I saw Hereditary. And then someone goes like, oh, yeah, I heard that was trash. And it's just like, where did you hear that? And it's just like all of the people that don't understand. But that's, people are idiots, though. Well, like- <laughs> that's the thing. I'm not comfortable enough. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to accept that people are just idiots. Oh, they are, though. It's just because for me that implies that nothing of this matters. Then, well, that's because remember the first day that we met, and you yeah. said the thing that gives you the most comfort in life is knowing that none of this matters. Right, but that's an existential. None of this matters. It, but in terms of like like artistically, yeah, like 
it 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 matters to me that people are able to have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. You know, it matters it matters to me that people are able to look at things critically and, and acknowledge that all right, this is problematic. Mm-hmm. I don't like this bit, but I like this part. Yeah. And it's the conversation that we had with Infinity Wars. Mm-hmm. You know, people can't talk about the things that they like and don't like. No. You know, independently of one another, like no. they have to like either they hate it or they love it, mm-hmm. and there's no place to be like lukewarm about something right in the middle, and that annoys me so much. That is the thing that gets me about culture, mm-hmm. and that is the thing that gets me about people criticizing these movies. That is the the most of the thing that I hate about YouTube uh, critiquing culture. Mm-hmm. All these people that do YouTube critique reviews, they usually ride on the you know the the extreme ends of the spectrum yeah. because that's what gets Get you clicks. clicks. Yep. That's what does that. That's what does the other thing. Yeah. And I feel like we lose an, an important in, like integral part of critiquing for yeah. a job. And yeah. and that's why I, I don't know. That's why I get defensive about it. We can't yeah. save, we can't save them. Like those yeah. sheep are going to get slaughtered. It's just like you're leading sheep that aren't smart enough to think for themselves and they just see the first shiny thing. And then you was like, hey, I mean, just just because that is a glowing, shiny thing, you don't have to walk directly towards that. Like there's something over here in the darkness, like plenty of good stuff over there. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you're sheep. So it's just like, I'm going to continue walking past the sheep and any of the sheep that are smart enough not to go through and just get their head cut off from being stupid, naive, gullible, non-thinking, yeah. you know, humans, then it's like, I'll see you down the road, you right. know, because you'll continue to make it and I'm going to be there, you know, yeah. because I'm going, I'm going somewhere and anybody that's smart enough to get there, I'll see you when I get there. Yeah. But I cannot be concerned with the number of idiots that are on this yeah. planet because I, I feel like we're, we're outnumbered. We're outnumbered hardcore. And it's just like, I'm, I'm not a misanthrope. Like, I'm not a person that hates human beings. Mm-hmm. But I definitely think that the majority, and I don't, I don't think I'm like some genius either. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, so not, not in any way, shape, or form, but I, but I try. And I think that is the difference between a lot of people. Either you're trying hard or you're not trying hard. And I don't think a lot of people have the effort or the uh, the time or the capacity to try for certain things. No. You know, it's like we we will try to break down a film and try to understand it, but for someone else, their time is spent trying to figure out how to get all these bills paid and maintain their wife or kids, and yeah, they're putting yeah, yeah. a lot of their energy into different things. But I'm like, well, good for you, you know? No, no, I, I absolutely get it. And but the the idea that the idea that people that participate in culture can't know. What are, what are the good things and the bad things in a culture without someone telling them? Yeah. Just doesn't sit right with me. And I, I refuse to believe that people are unable to do that. Look, you know how much money I have in my bank account and how much money Lil Pump has in his bank account? Yeah. It's, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> I know what you mean. It's like, you know, pop culture, like the, the flashy thing gets the thing. It's yeah. just but and it's like it's not even a new thing it's like been forever and i know it's, like, it's been forever and I, I, that's I the problem i don't think it'll ever change though it's yeah. just like I, I'm, I'm i'm working under the assumption that this will never change yeah. and it's like you're under the assumption it's like it hasn't changed so far but it's like i'm angry about it and eventually if you know because, we'll change because it, but, some part of me some like within all the cynicism and the neuroticism and the sort of the manic energy that i spend thinking about this yeah. some part of me is decidedly optimistic about life and yeah. about people. Oh no! And 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 some part of me really do believes that people can have those conversations, mm. and and people change their minds all the time, and people can have these conversations and have something relevant to say mm. if they're just willing to look past the they first could. reaction. They definitely could. They're just willing to look past the first emotional reaction of the thing that they're watching, the thing that they're listening to, yeah. or whatever. Then I'm sure we can think critically about these things and maybe that's where i'm landing 
like the idea of thinking critically mm. because people a lot of people don't want to put in the effort into thinking critically effort, about yeah. something yeah fair enough yeah. but that culture that conversation that lack of critical thinking at the end of the day is so harmful to any artist working in mm -hmm. the industry that I have to try to ship at it. And 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 not, not, not only do they not have the well not I can't say they don't have the ability to think critically because you are you have the ability, you have the ability to be an analytical thinker, but let's say they're not putting in the time to do so, but that doesn't stop them from talking a lot about it. That's my problem. <laughs> it will not to, it that will is my problem. I will listen to anyone shit on any movie. If you know what you're talking about. As long as they spend some time thinking about it. Mm -hmm. If I see the same opinions being regurgitated yeah. over and over again, which is so often the case. Mm -hmm that's when I get angry about it. And that is my problem with internet culture. That is mm. my problem with social media. That's mm. my problem with YouTube. It's my problem with all these platforms where people can just scream into the void mm -hmm. and just regurgitate the same fucking points over and over again yeah. without thinking about what they're saying. And that, that idea, because people are talking about shit without thinking about what they're saying, yep. that is why we have Nazis walking the fucking streets of the United States. Yeah. That is why. And it seems like a big stretch to go from like, oh, people are talking about movies weird to fucking Nazis. Step by step. But it's it's how it happens. When culture decides that the idea of thinking critically mm. matters less than a flashy thing and a flashy subject and a flashy headline, mm. then that's how we decline. That's how we have Nazis saying things like fucking hell Trump. Mm. And people just go like, oh, it doesn't matter that much. What the fuck is wrong with you at that point? What the fuck is wrong? Yeah. So it, sure, maybe I'm being a little too hyper analyst, like analytic and hyper optimistic about people talking about cinema and film. But maybe if we learn how to talk about cinema and film a little bit more uh, critically and start thinking like that, mm -hmm. then maybe, just maybe, we get a little bit better and thinking critically about the other shit that permeates the rest maybe, of our life. Nice. It'd be nice. So, you know, maybe I'm just mad. Mm. I'm just angry. I have a lot of energy about this because every conversation that I have, to some degree, is passed through the filter of someone not caring enough about something. Because then somehow in our fucking culture, mm. it ended up being cool to not give a shit about something. Yeah. And that annoys the piss out of me. But the, the good thing about it is like it always, everything flips. It's always back and forth. So it's like eventually the cool thing is going to be the right thing eventually again. I mean, it's like the yeah. same thing we see with like presidential elections. You'll be like, what the fuck, George Bush? This is, this is so far wrong. How could you go with that? And then, oh, now the cool thing is this black democratic left-leaning thing. It was like, oh, this is actually the right thing and it's actually cool, you know, right. for a while. And then, oh, nope, here comes a cool thing over here is Donald Trump. No way. It's like so far radical, but it's just yeah. like, that's that's where it is. But eventually that cool thing is going to be relevant again, yeah. you know, but it's, it's, it's back and forth. But you know you're not going to get those people in the middle that can think for themselves. They're just going to see the shiny light, but you just got to be happy whenever that shiny light is actually over top of the legitimate thing. Because everything <laughs> is a fucking emotional reaction. Yeah. No one, like, a, no, I want to say no one. It's just easy yeah. to use generalized no, words. Yeah, yeah. But it's so hard to find people that just go past the initial emotional reaction mm -hmm. of something. Look a little harder. Yeah. Think a little harder inside. Look at how we got to where we are. Yeah fucking pay attention it's mm -hmm. just maybe that's my maybe that's where all of this is like like stemming from some deep fucking resentment of culture where people just don't pay attention they decide that caring is not that caring is not cool 
and then they just refuse to fucking read. Like if 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 it was, then it's just like I could like have the assumption that I could have like lots of friends, mm -hmm. and I could go out and talk to people, and people are going to be cool and generally nice and trustworthy, and it's just like gave that up years ago. It's mm -hmm. like nope, I'm not going to be able to have many friends. I'll be able to find one or two every few years. Like say me and like me mm -hmm. and you was like a few because like say out of the hundreds and hundreds of people that you came across in the school, it's like out of those people, it's like you get a crapshoot. Might feel found one through five people. You know, mm -hmm. it's just. I, and that's the way I feel about my odds throughout the entire world. Through millions and millions and millions, I might find one, you know, out of whatever, you know. But that just is what it is. And, like, the ones that are smart and are intelligent or operating on the same frequency, hold on to them for dear life because you throw them back out there in the pool and then you're stuck with the fucking zombie, zombie idiots. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe it's some sense of optimism that'll fade through. Like I hope not. Like no, no, I hope yeah. you're right because I, I want to live in that world. Like, yeah. that's the world I want to live in. Like, that gives me, like, my childlike wonder that is just, like... You can do anything. You can be anything. People are nice. That people aren't trying to hurt you and don't have like the worst, you know, interest in for you all the mm -hmm. time. Like I want to believe that, but it's just like now it's like no. Like in my mind, everybody is trying to fuck you over. If you let them fuck you over, then they will. Then it's just like all people are terrible people, yeah. and that's the way that I have to like wake up and live life. And unfortunately, I'm right more times than not. And that's yeah. just what continues to have me living in this. But I don't want to live in this fucking world like this. I no, want people to yeah. think creatively, not only about their movies. Not only about, you know, their, their health, you know, not only about their politics, you know, but and their children think critically about everything, yeah. you know, but it's just, it's not, and it's sad. <laughs> it's yeah. fucking sad. It really is. It, it really is. I, it, God. I'm not, I, 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 I'm not going to let go of that optimism anytime soon. I don't soon. want you to either. Um, because I feel like the moment I let go is just, I'm just going to kill myself. Oh. It's one of the few things keeping me going. Yep. Um, just in general. Um, yeah. um, so like, uh, but it's, it's difficult to have conversations that matter a lot of the times yeah. because a lot of the times people think that it doesn't matter yeah. and it's, it's just like, fun. yeah, one comfort that we have in the world is that none of this matters existentially, mm. but during the time that we have here, you we're making our own meaning yeah. We're like, you know, fucking something matters while we're here. <laughs> oh, I hope, but you know, I hope. but. There was, anyway. there was a uh, there was a movie with Matt Damon and uh, Robin Williams, um, Good Will Hunting. Yeah, I love Good Will and, Hunting. Um, and he, Matt Damon is uh, telling a story about when he was younger and his father was going to beat him. Mm -hmm. And it was like, uh, it was either going to be the belt, the the switch, or the wrench. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, I'm going to beat you with one of these. He was like, so which one did you choose? So I chose the wrench. He's like, the wrench? Why did you choose that? He said, like, because fuck him, that's why. <laughs> You know, and that's what I, that's what I feel about life. Like I went through, we talk, talked about it with De when Devin was here and about just being suicidal and attempting mm -hmm. suicide. And, you know, when a lot of things were just going on to where I just felt like I was wrong about, you know, the, 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 the hopes and the possibilities and my mm -hmm. optimism about life, it came crashing down and I was very suicidal. But then after that, like now I think about that Matt Damon thing, like all the days after that, it was just like, you're still alive. You're still out here walking around the earth. Why are you doing that? Because fuck you. That's, that's why. why. Because yeah. fuck all of y'all. Like all of you assholes around like, no, I'm living out of spite, yeah. you know, to all of that. Like I'm going to like, despite like how terrible life is all the goddamn time, you know, not all the time. I'm not happy sometimes, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's just like, it's not the world that you thought it was when, you know, when you're growing up or the world that you hoped it was, mm -hmm. it's not that. So it's just out of spite, but it's like, I would really love to live in this world that you're talking about. Yeah. And the only way that I see it being possible is to surround yourself with those kind of people, okay. you know, over time. I know but what you mean. Wasn't that a Maria tough. Bamford? What? Like joke too. The thing that I'm alive out of spite. Maybe. I, I, I feel like she said possibly. That. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the same thing that we all emulate. It's, life is fucking 
crazy and meaningless. And yeah. Everybody feels like they're trying to fuck you over. But that yeah. little spark of optimism is something that I hope fucking explodes one day. Me too. Uh, it's been 60 minutes of us talking about this shit. So yeah. let's just get through the TV and closing. Oh, so that we don't <laughs> have a two hour and a half. Fuck, fuck the TV and movies. I mean, we, we actually talked about yeah. some cool shit. Yeah, yeah, so it's did. like, yeah, I think you guys are enjoying listening to this conversation mm-hmm. as much as we're enjoying talking about it. I hope. Because um, if you're not, then you like just fast forward it or yeah. pause or like turn it off at this point. I wish I was going to tell you a time code at the beginning of when we started talking so you can skip if you want it. No, you're fucked. You're here for this now. <laughs> <laughs> you're in for the ride. If I have to fucking go through it, you're going through you it. You don't have to go through it. No, nah, they have to go through it. it was, do you listen to these episodes? Uh, no, because I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm like, they, they don't, they don't, you don't have to suffer through it at all. <laughs> like, you just say the shit. They have to go through it. Man. You're like, God damn it. <laughs> this this weekend <laughs> in television and movie premieres uh, for Tuesday, July the 10th through Monday, July the 16th. Uh, the first one is Tuesday, July the 10th, Most Expensivest. It's on Viceland. This is a show with two chains. Uh, he goes oh, through. Oh, yeah, and, I know this. Yeah, hell yeah. And he goes through, he just finds the most expensivest shit. So it's like cats and dogs and chains and weed and. This is really where I started really liking Two Chains. Two Chains. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I think he's hilarious. He is. He definitely is. That's uh, Tuesday, July the 10th, most expensivest on Viceland, 10 p.m. Uh, the next thing is going to be Wednesday, July the 8th, Dr. Pimple Popper. Mm, Have not you ever, into that. You ever seen those videos on YouTube? Yep. You you're not into that? No. Uh, how how do you feel? Like, what do you do? You pop your own like pimples and like do stuff like that? Yeah, they just happen. Like, or, or, but it, it doesn't like turn you on. Like, it doesn't feel good for no, you. No, that just happened. Oh. For me, for me, it's a. For if I have to pop a pimple, for me, it's a it's a gross experience. Oh no! Through and through. I love it. Like, yeah. I love seeing those videos. Like with huge, like pus filled pimples yeah. and the stuff squeezing all out. Or when I get my own pimples and squeezing them and popping them up against the mirror and seeing mm. all that. Oh, I love it. Mm-mm. Not oh, into it. Yeah. I can't do it. Or like having like ingrown hairs, then like dig it in there and then put snatching that on. Mm. Nope. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So any other weirdos, crazy people like myself, um, <laughs> check out Doctor Pimple Popper Wednesday. July the 11th. It's a reality show on TLC oh, at 10 p.m. They made it into a reality television. It's a whole show, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> it's a whole show. Fuck off. <laughs> Fuck right off. Yeah. Wednesday, <laughs> July the 11th. And that's, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, people are going to be watching this. Yeah. People will watch this. People. Humans. I know. I know. I know. You know? There's YouTube videos for that. You don't need to sit in front of your television to do it. You know? Just fuck. Yeah. And it's like, these are, these are conversations that I have to have. It was like, so what are you watching on television? Oh, uh, Dr. Pimple Popper. Let's have a let's have a intelligent conversation. Let's analyze that show. Let's think critically about Dr. Pimple Popper, man. I'll get the bleach. I'll get the bleach. <laughs> you want, that's, that's you want a whiskey sour with a splash of bleach? Dr. Pimple Popper, Wednesday, July Fucking the eleventh. Uh, the next thing is Friday, uh, July the thirteenth. Jim Jeffries, this is me now. I don't think I don't think it's registering on the mic. It's how angry that Doctor Pimple Popper thing made. Oh me no, they're there. No, they're hearing it. They definitely hear that. I just want you guys to know it's immensely angry. Yeah, all right. So Jim Jeffries has a thing. Jim Jeffries, yes. Uh, Jim Jeffries, Friday, July the thirteenth. Jim Jeffries, this is me now. It's a comedy special on Netflix. Uh, so yeah, I believe he's an Australian guy. He had yeah. a television show that was really good for two seasons that has since been canceled. But yeah. he is hilarious. So he definitely has check a, him out. He has the popular bit on gun control. Mm. Uh, from his from his two specials ago, and then he's got the the Freedom special that was a huge hit nice. right before Trump got elected. Mm. So yeah, no, Jim Jeffries is fucking. He's hilarious. very funny, very much funny. Uh, but that's Friday, July the thirteenth. That's gonna be on Netflix, so easy access for you to check that out. 
Uh, the last show coming out this week is Sunday, July the 15th, The Joe McHale Show with Joe McHale. It's a comedy reality talk show on Netflix. Um, I've been watching a few of these episodes. I mean, it, it basically is what that is. It's Joe McHale talking head. Uh, he talks about uh, things that are popular in pop culture. You get about a 30-minute episode of that. Mm-hmm. Backed by Joe McHale. Um, and movies. Did, did we mention that it was uh, Joe McHale? I don't think we said it was no, Joe McHale. So, yeah. Oh, it's a Joe McHale show. Joe McHale it's starring show. Joe McHale. Saying Joe McHale. Yeah. We gotta yeah. show that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> in, uh, in movies this week, uh, we got four movies. The first one is Hotel Transylvania 3, right. Summer Vacation. So apparently there were two other Hotel the Transylvania. The first one was all right. So, I, only, I only saw the first one. I, I, never, I, never I, I don't know if I saw the. I don't know about this franchise, yeah. but it's, it's, it's an animated. Yeah. Just monster bash thing. Yeah. That's uh, pretty good. It's uh it's a third installment, summer vacation. It's PG, uh, it's 97 minute runtime. It's an animation comedy. The rundown is while on a vacation with his family, Count Dracula makes a romantic connection. Oh, nice. Mel Brooks, Adam Sandler, Selena Gomez, and Andy Samberg are all in this. All right. Andy Samberg, that's interesting. And He's, Selena. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So all right. Next thing we got is eighth grade. It's a 94 oh, minute runtime. Hmm? Bo Burnham, sorry. Oh, nice. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 Uh, it's eighth grade. It's rated R, a 94-minute runtime listed as a comedy. Already has an 84 meta score, and the rundown is a teenager tries to survive the last week of her disastrous eighth grade year before leaving to start high school. Uh, director, Bo Burnham, and it stars... Writer, too. Oh, my, your writer's too nice. Yeah. Uh, stars Josh Hamilton, Elsie uh, Fisher and Emily Robinson. Nice. I am so excited for that. I've been following Bo Burnham since he started on YouTube. Oh, nice. I have been following his career for close to like more than like eight years now. And yeah. I, just to see him write a feature is very nice. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. But, and it's already 84 Metascore. I mean, that's yeah. that's good for a comedy, a rated R comedy. So that's, that yeah. sounds great. Uh, next thing is Don't Worry, He Won't Go Far on Foot. It's rated R, 113-minute runtime, listed as a biography, drama, comedy, 70 Metascore. It's uh, starring Joaquin Phoenix, Jonah Hill, and Jack Black. The director is Gus Van Saint. The uh, rundown is, on the rocky path to sobriety, after a life-changing accident, John discovers the healing power of art. Willing his injured hands into drawing hilarious, often controversial cartoons, which brings him a new lease on life. So, um... There's some good actors in it. <laughs> Rooney Mara. I, I, I really genuinely hate that name. What? Oh, don't, don't worry. worry. You want to get far on foot? Yeah. Just so much. Oh. So much of a name. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if it's necessarily like the rundown, but it's like I like the, the actors. I love Joaquin Phoenix as an actor. Yeah. Jonah Hill can do a lot. Rooney Mara is so good. And Jack Black. Don't like Jack Black, but he always does well. I don't, I don't think I know who this movie is about. Like, the biopic. I, I don't either. Yeah. John Callahan. John I don't know Callahan. who that guy is. So. That sounds familiar. I should Google it. Probably yeah. an artist of some sort. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And the last one, the big blockbuster movie that's coming out, you got Dwayne The Rock Johnson selling yet another blockbuster that no one is going to see. No, people are seeing them. That's why he continues to make, them, he making them. But he's kind of oversaturating the market. What was that last thing with the uh, Rampage, I believe it was? Rampage. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's at uh, CIA, uh, Jumanji, Rampage. Skycraper, and then of course he's in the Fast and the Furious movies now. Now don't forget though the Kevin Hart movie, the the other Kevin Hart movie, yeah, and then the other Kevin Hart movie. Yeah, I mean it's like yeah he's 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 he's, he's in a lot of places. He's and then Moana too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's so, been he's been getting a lot of gigs. This this one here is a skyscraper. It's rated, rated PG thirteen, hundred and two minute runtime for an action drama. 
Uh, the rundown is a father goes to great lengths to save his family from a burning skyscraper. And the poster board just has him climbing up a skyscraper bare hands as it is on fire below him. Yeah. Yeah. You've never done that? That's a good workout. Yeah. It stars uh, <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson. The movie's fucking ridiculous, man. I see. I saw the trailer when I went to see Jurassic World. Oh, yeah. by the way, I saw Jurassic World. Mm. It was I, garbage. I've, I've heard that. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard that. I can talk about that later. It's mm. such a bad movie. Mm. Um, but I saw the trailer for Skyscraper on Jurassic World. Mm-hmm. It's holy shit. It just yeah. looks fucking ridiculous. Not going to do that. Not doing that. <laughs> Chris Pratt, I'm off the boat too. I was. Yeah. We talked about that a little bit last week, but yeah, I'm off the boat, bro. Yeah. It's got to be like, like for me to be on like the, the Chris Pratt train, it's got to be like, like I got to watch the trailer and I got to feel reassured by the trailer and mm. I got to like, this is in that type of movie. Like I, it's a lot of specificity to get on the Chris Pratt. Because yeah. I really like him. They've just been to. doing shit movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Jurassic World is garbage. Mm. Uh, makes no sense. It's essentially two movies in one mm. uh, with a complete bait and, like, complete, like, switch mm. on the second half. And none of the characters matter. No one cares. The dinosaurs are good, but it's ridiculous. All right. And uh, it just, it's just nonsensical bullshit. Yeah, I'm not going to yeah. do it. I'm not going to do it. Um, yeah. Nope. Nope. Uh, you probably did good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I guess that's it for today's episode. Uh, watch The American Friend if you're into that kind of movie. Um, and then uh, you can find us on Twitter, underscore FFS Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at the FFS Podcast. You can find us on iTunes Podcast app, Google Play Music app, and uh, Stitcher under the name for film's sake. And uh, my personal Twitter handle is a Branner Chija. I'm not on it anymore, so you're not going to find me. <laughs> uh, but my handle is a Branner Chija. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still on social media. Um, you can find me at the same place, T-H-A underscore V-O-N-Z. Hey, hey, I'm looking forward to not seeing what I'm getting tagged on on Twitter. <laughs> you can get tagged if you if you don't have Twitter? I didn't. I just deleted the app. I didn't delete oh, the app. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So I can go back into it. I got but you. it's just I like when I come back, it's going to be like 10 notifications and okay. things that I'm going to come back and see it. Okay. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we will see you next episode. Wait. Cheers. Cheers.